Welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts... Carol. Matt. Mel! <laughs> and we're a bunch of Hoopleheads. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm going to be doing that every time. So hopefully that doesn't get tiresome. But that's the bit, and I'm sticking to it. Today we are going to be talking about the pilot episode of Deadwood, which is simply called Deadwood. It's, but, what's that? It's, it's, it's very creative. <laughs> yes, they did a really good job on that title. <laughs> David Milch does not like titles. Uh, I believe in his follow-up series, John from Cincinnati, it was just like John, or his visit, day one, his visit, day two. <laughs> huh, but not. I like a good title. Does mm-hmm. HBO require titles? I don't think so. Oh. Well, he could have made the executive decision to kill the titles then. He, he, he could have, but I think titles are, are good. When I was watching the Twin Peaks box set, it was all episode one, episode two, yeah. and I would forget where I left off because it's just a number. But if they mm-hmm. had put those translated titles up there, mm-hmm. then I would have remembered. In any case, before we get started, just a couple housekeeping bits. All the guest spots have been gobbled up. Oh, but what? if you want to, if you're listening to this and you don't have a guest spot, you want to be added to a wait list in case somebody bails, you can go ahead and send me a message through hooplecast.gmail.com or you can go on to Facebook and private message me and I'll put you on the wait list. Even if you already have a guest spot, if you want to be put on the wait list in case we need a backup host, yep, feel free to do that. So these are just uh, spots for this season, right? Like people have a chance in season two again, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll do the season two uh, openings when we have the the dates, our recording dates for that. So hope is not lost, people. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I got on the Intro to X podcast like five times this season just by being on the wait list. (laughs) There you go. There's a lot of slackers out there. Yeah, speaking of that, where was your feedback the last two episodes? (laughs) And the the, the movie. uh, X-Files? Yeah, we have no access to the movie. Uh, Previous one, I can't remember why we didn't. Uh, Oh, because they recorded on Saturday and we didn't know. We didn't know. Oh, I thought maybe you thought you had peaked with your folly ado feedback. <laughs> I think I may have. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, also had the podcast up on iTunes. We're searchable on iTunes. Harold has already left us a positive review. Thank you very much, Harold. Nice. Awesome. Thank you, Harold. Yeah, he's great. Uh, if anybody wants to send a or submit a review on iTunes, I'd appreciate it as long as it's positive. <laughs> it can be negative. Five stars. Or no, else. I don't want negative reviews. We're not gonna like it, is all. <laughs> why would you? Why would you leave a negative review? This is free. And it's for your entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's because people like to complain. Yeah, usually if people oh, review gosh. things at all, it's, <laughs> it's to complain. <laughs> yes. Complaining about a free podcast. I know. I know. I need those minutes back. Get a life, people. <laughs> I know. Some people just don't like other people's opinions. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> One thing that I did was send some articles that I obtained from early Deadwood newspapers, and sent them to a couple people. Part of a segment that we're going to have starting next week, I hope, called Hooplecast Readers Theater. They're going to do. We're going to have a different voice each week or each episode read something to us. Some humorous, some educational, some hilariously racist, <laughs> but it's of the time, and I think thought that that would be a fun little thing unique to our podcast. So that's that's coming up next week. I've really been enjoying reading the ones that you put on our Facebook page. Oh, thank you. I thought they were very cool. Something, so to, something to throw up while we're waiting for uh, to start. Maybe we should <laughs> quite use that term. Yeah. I thought about it after I said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, edit, edit. 
No, I'll keep it in. I did too much. I did too much editing last time. I'm gonna try and scale back on that. Well, unless yeah. you didn't say vomit up. Yeah. <laughs> it was just implied. Yes, it was just implied. <laughs> Sorry, emetophobes. <laughs> so the uh, readers' theater will be next episode that we record. If I ever say next week, like next week, we're going to do this. I don't mean next week. I mean in two weeks, next episode. Just that's just a forewarning. Well, I'm going to kick off our recap by playing the uh, exclusive world premiere of our original theme music that Chris from England composed for us. Yay, Chris from England. So let me play it for you guys. So here it goes. That's pretty dang awesome. It sounds like sounds like it could actually be from the show. Yeah. When I heard it, I was... First of all, he's tweeted a couple times saying, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And Nice. Then eventually uh, he ended up with that, and I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And I was yeah. just... When, he, when I heard it for the first time, I was just grinning all day. It was... <laughs> oh, nice. It was well, fantastic. Uh, he did Intro to X, right? Did he also do Potential Cast? I think he did. I think he did. Yeah. Not sure what other ones he did, but yeah, he does good work. That's awesome. Talented fellow. He did a, a new theme just for the movie, the X-Files movie. Oh, wow. Which was also amazing. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's get into it. Does anyone want to share their first impressions up front? I will let Carol go first. Carol, go first. You watched it first, so I think you get to talk first. <laughs> um, I'll use the word brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really brutal. Um. Uh, Really well made, and and artistically, it's it, it's really um, as far as the the images they use and, and everything else, they they set it up beautifully as far as you know who these people are and what the world is, and and it's a brutal, brutal world. <laughs> I, I can stop there. And what about the the language? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. I was prepared for worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I remember of that one piece I saw years ago, it it was a whole lot more. But then again, I was also having to deal with, ooh, can I really have this around my kid and around my, my, grand, my mother and, and all that. So, so it could have been either it gets more so or I was just more sensitized to the fact that it really wouldn't play around the people that I was living with. Okay, what about you, Matthew? I liked it uh, just fine the first time. I mean, it was a uh, great production. You know, you always expect that from HBO. Um, I was a little bit thrown by the language. It didn't, I couldn't tell, like, it seemed like it was only half, like, uh, period correct, even though I have no knowledge of that period. It just, some of it seemed weird. Um, mm-hmm. But I still, it was still fine. But 
Yeah, I liked the episode fine. I, I just, uh, the second time I liked it even better because I had subtitles on. <laughs> and, what, uh. I'm curious about what you were saying about the language. Well, for instance, I got a note here. One of the first lines is the guy in the jail cell and he's like, what are you two conversing at? Uh, I can see that being period correct. And then later on, uh, a few lines later, somebody says he's taken his sweet ass time. I'm like, that's very like, contemporary wouldn't it be sweet ass time like i don't know maybe it's all correct i think that's one of those when it comes to idioms and stuff we we'd almost have to look it up as, and see yeah. what first used yeah i'm i mean as soon as you say that i'm willing i'm ready to write it down and go to an etymological dictionary <laughs> or looking it up so but yeah it is yeah I, I i enjoyed it a lot there's a lot of despicable characters and there doesn't seem to be too many like uh good guys in this world but I, that's probably correct too like i don't know what would drive someone into holding up the law in this world because <laughs> it seems very brutal well i i either read this somewhere or someone i heard this in a commentary but the actual some of the profanity that would have been used back then would have been silly to us mm-hmm. <laughs> we may have laughed at what they were saying so yeah. they decided to modernize the profanity okay. aspect of it, uh, at least. Did they give any any examples? I can't remember. They did, but I, I can't recall. Kind of like, I'll pepper your sausage kind of business. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pepper your sausage. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear a, on the, there's a podcast called The Real Deadwood Podcast by a guy named Paul Dennis, and it's, uh, don't listen to it because it has spoilers. Oh, okay. I think it was done like between seasons two and three and the actors visited Deadwood and they had like a town hall meeting, a Q and a, and they said that they had to do ADR work where they sanitized the language for, so that the show could be broadcast in other markets and other countries. Oh, really? And so instead of cocksucker, they'd say cob shucker. <laughs> what? <laughs> nice. You cob shucker, you. <laughs> oh shit. I mean, sugar. <laughs> I, I know a guy who says that. That's how my dad swears. <laughs> Your dad was swearing up a storm today with the car. Was he? Anyway, oh. sorry. Oh. <laughs> what did you think of this episode, Mel? <laughs> um, okay, so I'll be honest. The first time I fell asleep halfway through. <laughs> too many mumbly mouths, huh? Yes, like like cowboys uh, tend to be marble mouths. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anyways, I just couldn't understand a thing anybody was saying. Uh, a lot of the characters would come in, and then I'd be confused as to who was who, and if they even were main, like... Who's swindling who? Primary characters, who's swindling who? I didn't get what was going on. And then we watched it a second time, and I was like, put the subtitles on, Matt, because I, I won't be able to like understand the show at all. And he did, and I was glad he did, because I enjoyed it much better the second time around. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch it with French subtitles? No. English. <laughs> it would have been weird with French subtitles. Because we had to watch Briscoe with French subtitles sometimes, because that's all that was available for mm. some reason. <laughs> so it was always a weird experience. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know if it's the subtitles or the closed captions, but there's a scene like midway through where Brahm is saying to Alma, Dan helped me reconnoiter the, the claim. Reconnoiter meaning to like look around survey. But the captions say wreck and order. That's what I thought he said, yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks yeah. to the captions, I guess. But I also heard it while he was saying that. I was like, what's that mean? 
I was going to ask you, what does reconnoiter mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I know what reconnoiter means, or how mm-hmm. you pronounce that. I I don't think I had the subtitles on. I just realized I because I don't remember. Sometimes I'll have subtitles on, and I just you know. The words just kind of go into your brain, and you don't necessarily even realize you're reading. Yeah. But uh, I don't think I had the subtitles on either time that I watched it. My mother has been partially deaf for like 15 years, so whenever we've watched anything together, she's had to have the captions on, and now I'm at the point where I have to have them on, too. <laughs> it just okay. helps. It just it, helps. It's, hel- it's helpful. I, I, I miss things, but when I, when I have the captions, I, I absorb more of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll be using them from now on. <laughs> I think so. Um, and when I said I fell asleep, it's not because the show was uninteresting to begin with. I fall asleep at just about everything. It was late. It was, and just, it it was, was late, and I was tired. Too much brain power required. <laughs> yeah, and I, I wasn't understanding what they were saying, so I was like, ah. Plus you had a, <laughs> plus you had a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, and that usually makes me fall asleep. So yeah, it's not anything like... When I fall asleep, never take it personally, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> You're just a narcoleptic. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I just fall asleep wherever, whenever. <laughs> that is the right word, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Believe. Not to be oh. confused with uh, necrophilia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a necrophiliac. <laughs> I'm just a narcoleptic necrophiliac. <laughs> well, okay. Let's... Uh... Get into it then. This episode was written by David Milch, the series creator, directed by Walter Hill. Oh, wait. Is he from the Warriors? Did he direct the Warriors? Who, Walter Hill? Yeah. I don't know. I'll look it up while you continue. Yeah, I know he directed a film called Deadwood. Oh, really? Huh. Does it have anything to do with the series? No, it was like before. Oh, weird. Try to look at his filmography. Yeah, he did. Walter Hill, director of The Warriors, yep. One of the producers and sometimes director is Greg Feinberg. That sounds like a familiar name. Yeah, he was a producer on Twin Peaks. Oh, Oh, yeah! (laughs) And I did tell you that there was an actor from Twin Peaks who has a role in the show, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to tell you when it happens. Is he very recognizable? Like, easier than Buck on Briscoe? (laughs) I don't think he is, actually. So we're going to have to keep an eye. Actually, I'm kind of hoping he comes to the Twin Peaks Fest, just so I could be like, you got, you were in an episode, right? <laughs> Which funny. one of those guys were you? That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Original air date for this was March 21st, 2004. Viewers, 5.8 million is the figure that I got, which at the time was the most ever for an HBO debut. Carnival debuted at 5.3 million viewers. Hmm. Uh, Sopranos episode 3 of season 5 was the lead-in. That attracted 10.1 million. So, a little more than half stuck around. Hmm. So, what did you guys think of the main titles? You mean the opening credits? Yeah, the the credits. Did you like it? I thought thought this show was about a horse. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, look, it's a horse. Is he the main character? Is it like a comet? There's no comet in this. (laughs) Oh... (laughs) I was hoping it would be like a Mr. Ed, but more classy. <laughs> I I just thought that I have a note here. I've had like three pages of notes. I'm just warning you now. No, that's uh, fine. I, I have a note that the credits set up the gritty real well. That, you know, it definitely sets up the the grittiness of the world that you're entering. But uh, 
I didn't really think it was about a horse. I have to... <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't really think it was about a horse. I just like to think it was about a horse. <laughs> I have to admit, it did remind me a little bit, especially right now, thinking about it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, the Northern Exposure. Um, uh, the moose? Credits to the moose, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Moose walking through town and, and you kind of, you know. The music is even kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big Northern Exposure fan. Whatever happened to Moosecast? Um, it pod faded. Yeah, I think so. They they actually quit. As a matter of fact, that's too uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. I I have thought that that something that I I've thought of doing any number of times was the was a northern exposure. The problem is that I don't think it's being broadcast, like not broadcast, but it's uh, available on Netflix or Prime or. Yeah. Neither was Briscoe. We made people buy DVDs. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're horrible like that. I'm sure you could uh, I've bo- got the bootleg D- it in, of some form. Yeah, I've got the DVDs, but it's, uh, you know, could be difficult finding somebody else who, you know, other people who haven't seen it but are willing to invest in the DVDs. Maybe it's on Hulu. I don't think so. Hmm. I'd like to go back and watch Picket Fences, but they only released the first season on DVD. I think it's they have, just have an issue of music rights. The music's too expensive for what they think that they'll get from it. I think that's probably the same reason why Millennium is not on Netflix. Is that the music, especially in season two, it's yeah. all licensed stuff. So they'd have to Netflix would have to pay for those music rights, and then they don't think it's worth it to put that show up in their catalog. Anyway, David Milch says in his commentary that he doesn't know what the horse represents that it eludes his understanding. He calls it equine mystification. Mm-hmm. But then later in his book, Stories of the Black Hills, and I'm going to quote him here, Deadwood is a show about how order arises out of the mud. That's what you see in the opening credits. And that's what you see as the story moves forward. Men coming together out of the most limited motives to create something larger than themselves. The horse is the electricity. It is the life. It is the beating heart. And then the horse looks into the mud, and up comes Deadwood. Did you just make that up? <laughs> I mean, after the fact, did he, like, come up with, like, a meaning for it? Well, he says, if anyone knows what it means, tell him. Oh, right. (laughs) So, he ascribed a meaning to it, but he knows that probably other people have their own personal meaning for it. Or it's just a fun image. A lot of people, they they fixate on the woman, the naked woman getting into the tub. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) Fixate in what way? It's an image that kind of stands out. Okay, just because it stands out. They don't. I always like the guy with the cleaver. <laughs> they don't think it means anything beyond that. No. Okay. Not like the horse. I didn't really catch all of the stuff. I caught the woman getting in the tub, and I thought she was pregnant. Maybe. Mm. I think she's but... just ample. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, I just committed like a faux pas where you you think people are pregnant. <laughs> when are you expecting? Not... Yeah, I'm not I'm pregnant. Not pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Thankfully, that woman's not real. <laughs> That's a, that not, was a real lady. <laughs> she's a character in a show. She was CG. You can still insult the actress. She's a she's CG. She's a CG woman. <laughs> well, if it helps any, she didn't look at all pregnant to me. She looked like she had a great figure. <laughs> no, I just thought she might be, but I wasn't sure. Well, get used to her because you're going to be seeing her 35 more times. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. At least. I feel bad every time I see her now. <laughs> Last uh, recording, we had a question about the population of the camp. 
They tell you that it was formed in 1876, and within six months, the population reached about 4,800 people. Wow. That's a lot of gold diggers. I think right now it was like around 1,600. Let's find out. Yeah, I mean, those those camps, I, I know, grew like crazy, and then they, as soon as the... The gold petered out, or something. It would just they just bust and abandoned. Yeah, they would just they would just move along. Yeah, yeah. What's there now? A little. Yeah, town. there's a town there. Okay. You can go and you could drink, <laughs> watch reenactments. <laughs> nice population in 2013 was 1,288. Hmm. Huh. So yes, it sh- shrunk considerably. At the time, the ratio of men to women was 200 to one. Whoa. And most of the women were prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an interesting thing about this series is that we've got quite a few complex female characters. I would say there's four main ones. We got to know three of them this episode. And only one out of the three that we saw is a prostitute. Well, that's good. <laughs> so I won't watch a show that does not have good female characters. Same yeah. with the movies. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I won't watch a movie unless it has prostitutes in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really limits my, my movie viewing. <laughs> um, now, am I right the last time you said that there was a town and a camp? The Back then. It, it was basically just called a camp. Okay. Yeah, they, they call it the camp, and it became a town. It, they don't and have any government. what so... had been there and what's now that... There were a bunch of different camps, and they kind of got incorporated into Deadwood proper. Okay. But we begin the episode uh, a little bit of a prologue, which is kind of unusual, because one characteristic of this series is that most, or all episodes, except for this one, take place within a span of 24 hours. So often they're getting up at breakfast, and then it ends at night. Or yeah. maybe it's night and then it goes in through the night and then it's morning when it ends. But it's usually 24 hours, no longer. This is different because it's got this prologue tacked on in the front. Okay. So it's nighttime. It's May 1876, Montana Territory. And we get an exposition scene in a jail where we learn that there's no law in Deadwood because it's on Indian land. Mm-hmm. Marshal Seth Bullock, played by Timothy Oliphant, he's writing in his journal. And Chloe Watson, who's played by James Parks, the son of Michael, of actor Michael Parks, he's in jail because Chloe stole Byron Sampson's horse, and then he injured Seth in the shoulder during the attempt. Is that what would have gotten the death penalty? The uh, the shooting the sheriff? Or no, no, stealing the horse. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Severe. Yeah. In the book Old Deadwood Days, the writer says horse stealing was the worst sort of murder because it left a man at the mercy of every enemy, from an Indian down to hunger and cold. An unhorsed man in the West was as helpless as a lame duck in the desert. Whoa. Yeah, I guess when you think of it that way. Yeah. Oh. Seemed very Old Testament ish, though. Didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed a little extreme. I would have let him off with uh, community service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because just from having watched westerns you know from back when it's always taken for granted that horse thief hang him cattle rustling hanging a fence it's like it was it was pretty brutal punishment but there were those were you're more likely to get hanged than than shooting somebody Mm. um probably because if you shot somebody they'd shoot you back yeah uh can i just say that mel and i both since 
Matt, you use uh, Sheriff Bullock here for a lot of your avatars and all your social <laughs> things, mm-hmm. and we expected your voice to come out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, the whole time, I was like, yeah, that's what Maddie looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wish. If I we, wish, have, if I we wish. ever. <laughs> I mean, when we see you at the Twin Peaks Fest, if we don't know what you look like before then, we're going to expect Timothy Olyphant. <laughs> you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I, for, for those of you listening who, who don't know, uh, my gamer tag on various uh, consoles is Sheriff Bullock. That's because back in the when Xbox Live was kind of new and we didn't have these communities where you could meet other players, I thought I would pick a gamer tag that kind of expressed an interest of mine so that other people who recognized it would be like, oh, I know that show. I know Deadwood. Then we could have a conversation. Boom. There's an online friend. Right. That's where I got that whole, my, my gamer tag, my nom de plume. Yeah. Nice. I stole it from this. Nice. But yes, um, I completely expect... I still, I don't, I don't care. You're never going to dispel the illusion until I actually see you. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what you say. <laughs> I was just going to be like, send her a picture. <laughs> uh, one of the things that uh, this, by the end of this uh, prologue, they had really set him up as an honest man. Yeah. Mm. And I also, I have a thing written here that, I know that uh, somewhere down the road, this guy is going to have had a son and that there's going to be a great-great-great-grandchild named Raylan Givens because the two characters are not that far away from each other. I don't know this other character. You uh, don't, from you haven't Justified? Oh, no, I don't. No, no, I don't. I keep meaning to. I should. I, I think he's t- Timothy Oliphant is, from what I understand, pretty good in that show. Oh yeah, that's what I yeah. hear. Yeah. He's not so great in this. He gets better. Oh you really? Find he's good. I think he's pretty terrible at the beginning, especially oh, thought, at the beginning. I, I thought he was pretty pretty good. Like I thought he was funny without trying to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, maybe that's what you mean by terrible. But I it mean, might just be his delivery. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I love his that's delivery. what I loved about. Oh okay. So I like his delivery too. Yeah. Awkward delivery and yeah. it, it was great. But it, I think it's I, I felt it was because the character was awkward. Yeah, it makes him endearing. Yeah, yeah. yeah the character is kind of like uh socially awkward especially <laughs> when we'll we'll get there but when they're selling their goods for the first time, right. he doesn't know how right. to present himself. But right. in this scene, we see that he is very he has integrity. Yeah. Right. I like that. I I got the feeling he was I really liked his performance a lot. I like him in Justified as well. And I really liked this performance cuz I I really felt like he he was very comfortable in this this martial setting. He didn't like what he was having to do, but he was, you know, very straight arrow about it. And then when they got to being a salesman, he was just so incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and just there's a whole lot of things all the way through the episode that I thought he did a really nice job with. Okay, well I take it back. You're a good actor, <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> <laughs> I just say if you if you like him now, he's gonna definitely grow into the role even more. Good. I think there's a lot of actors here. Even Ian McShane is kind of like I don't know, the the pacing of the pilot is a little weird. Everything's a little everything's a little off for me is when Ian, I'm watching this one. Is Ian McShane uh Seth Bullock's little toady? Is that who he yeah. is? <laughs> no, Ian McShane plays Al Swearingen, the owner of the saloon. Oh, yeah, okay. Whatever his name is, yeah. Okay. How do you say his name again? Al Swearingen? Swearingen? Swearingen. Swearingen. 
Okay. Like swearing. Right. And gin. Sure. And gin. Yeah. <laughs> Two things you'll find in a bar. <laughs> I thought they were trying to make a weird pun when they named this character. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen different spellings of the last name, though. Didn't you say that, or somebody say that he was a historical character, but that he uh, is. they made him British because the actor was British? Yes. He does not sound very Okay, British. this guy, this guy, so remember Ernie from Twin Peaks? This is Ernie from Twin Peaks. His oh. accent comes and goes. He sounds exactly like Ernie. He's got shady motives, just like Ernie. It's Ernie. He even kind of looks a little bit like him. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Jim Beaver's character, Ellsworth, references his limey accent. I don't hear an accent. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. No, just but I, I could slightly hear it, but then I was like, no, wait, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear it. Absolutely. Okay. Really? Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't really hear it. Wow. Okay. But um, we get more Al backstory later. I'm not going to list everyone's like IMDb credits, like where you've seen this actor before, except I'll make oh. a, an exception for Buffy and Angel. The uh, James Parks, who plays Clell, was one of the Gorch brothers in Bad Eggs. I don't uh, know who Clell was. Well, I, knew, I knew I'd recognize this Clell, guy. the guy in the, in the jail. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I mean, so many people in this show such recognizable character actors. At one point when they got to the bar, I was just like, okay, every recognizable character actor in Hollywood is in this. <laughs> A lot of these folks show up on Lost. Oh. I'm going to quote David Milch again. One of the first things that you hear Bullock say in the first episode of the first season, when the mob outside wants to murder his prisoner, he's hanging under color of law. What he hates is the violence of the mob. Bullock's going to hang the guilty man himself, and the law is going to protect him. He is going to disinfect his murderous rage through the law. Hmm. Hmm. And this was taken, this scene was inspired by a biography written by Seth Bullock's great nephew. So it's based in reality. How would the nephew know this happened? Did he have letters or something? Probably letters and journals. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was solely based on rumors. <laughs> well, couldn't the nephew have heard it from him? I mean, a nephew is I, not... A nephew? Yeah, maybe. I I mean, nephews I are usually that much younger, you know, than... Did he live to be quite old? I guess I shouldn't ask that. It might be spoilery. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell us. <laughs> oh no, no, I wasn't. No, I'm, okay. <laughs> uh, the the partner. I uh, I thought it was an, a nice and interesting relationship between Bullock and his partner. I don't understand their relationship. How? What are they to each other? Just just friends? I think just friends. Yeah, friends. It, I think they complement each other well because you have Bullock, who is socially awkward but has a lot of integrity and is good in a fight. Is then you got Soul Star who is a negotiator, the level-headed guy. He's more social, but he's probably... He is Jewish. We find that out right, right. away when they go, oh, there's a... No, I'm not going to say it in case it's a quote. Yeah. But he's uh, he is Jewish, and that, of course, there's anti-Semitism. Right. He still is today. So they complement each other well. They, they fill each other out. Yeah, he's definitely a diplomat, whereas um, Bullock is definitely not. Mm-hmm. Is his first reactions are definitely to meet things kind of head on. And if it's going to be violent, it's going to be violent. And uh, I also got the feeling that his partner was Saul, mm-hmm. Seth and Saul, that Saul, I have a note here, he doesn't know what Bullock is doing or what he's liable to do. Mm. You get the feeling he's just like, okay, you know, I have a general idea what's going on here, but 
he's not always filled in on the plan. <laughs> yeah, and kind of waiting to see which direction Bullock jumps. Yeah. So uh, Saul was played by the guy who played Johnny Utah Mon- Yes, he did. Remember I said in my feedback saying how that episode kind of ruined him for me? Yeah. Because <laughs> he was just terrible in that. <laughs> well, that was the character that was terrible. He's been in a ton of stuff. He, I think he was. He, he even got an Oscar nom for that uh, film where he played somebody with a physical handicap. Uh, the one with Helen Hunt. That's the best way to win an Oscar. <laughs> Play, uh, uh, the sessions. Okay. But a man in an iron lung who wishes to lose his virginity contacts a professional sex surrogate. Whoa. Oh, I saw the trailer for that a couple of years ago. Yeah, I never watched it. So, of course, I know him probably mostly from this role. But he was in a Buffy episode. Oh. He was in I Only Have Eyes for You. He played the janitor who got possessed. Oh, really? Okay. I don't remember the janitor being a young guy. What do you have against janitors, Matt? No, I just don't remember the janitor being a young guy. <laughs> if I picture a janitor, I always met, always picture middle age and above. All right. <laughs> Matt is janitor racist. <laughs> young people could be janitors, too. <laughs> they shouldn't be. Oh. Oh, you're starting a thing. No, I'm just kidding. I'm oh. going to quit my job and become a janitor. <laughs> John Hawks was also in a Millennium episode, season one, The Judge played the convict. He got out of jail and the judge gave him hey, gave him a job to administer his justice, but then ended up uh, killing the judge and feeding him to his pigs, which is kind of interesting because people get fed to pigs in Deadwood. Mm. So I wonder if pigs do that by just by default or you have to train them to do that. Mm. What? They're omnivores. That's why like in The Wizard of Oz <laughs> when when Dorothy falls into the pig pen, everybody immediately comes running to pull hmm. her out. Yeah, because pigs will eat anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pigs are dangerous. Yep. Pigs are dangerous. They can also be adorable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they can be. They can be. But they are, they are dangerous. That's scary, yeah. That dude, when he was giving the words for his sister... Mm-hmm. It was exactly like that Johnny Cash song, Give My Love to Rose. It's exactly, almost exactly word for word, like the same. Oh, kind. Really? Well, yeah, almost the same. It's like the same kind of like stuff that he's saying. Tell my, tell my boy that daddy's so proud of him. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Anyways. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Outro song. Yeah. <laughs> they were all ready to hang that guy, but then when he started speaking, that they really got. They kind of started uh, questioning it. Yeah. Kind of took the fun out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was weird, too, how he was like, you guys had better not bring those words back to his sister. And the guy was like, ah, fuck it, I'll do it. <laughs> it was yeah. like, funny how he like just immediately just went for it. He was like, well, yeah. he's, he's the only decent man in the mob. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did, have, I did have one other note. Uh, why did Bullock hand his uh, badge. badge over to that guy? Shouldn't he hand did it to she, the mayor so, or something? So was it because that guy was decent? She should give it to the mayor, I would think. Yeah, well, he's headed out of town fast, so... Yeah, he probably like, doesn't care. It's yeah. a bequeath the, to, like, the best guy in town. You know, you're also, you're bringing the words, you're the best guy, here's my badge. There you go. Yeah. Is it what you will. I wrote down that the no-name frog is a great name for a brew pub. <laughs> <laughs> that is... <laughs> So the mob stands in front of the scaffold, demands custody of Kalel, 
But Seth will be the one to administer justice. He opts to hang Clell on the porch of the marshal's building, and he helps Clell with the drop. Is that a... Is that... Could you actually do that? Like, Matt was asking. Like, yeah, because when you lift him up... His neck? When you lift him up and drop him again, that's, like, about the same amount of force as him just stepping off that stool, isn't it? He didn't just drop him, though. He pulled him. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah he really yanked him. He yanked him down. I would imagine that it would take a lot of strength to do that, though, yeah. to break somebody's neck like that, but... I don't know. Maybe not. I wrote down, this sentimental tripe is a real mood killer for the mob. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, stop humanizing that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you guys like this prologue? Did you, did you think it went on too long? Did it give you some insight into yeah. Seth? No, I liked it. I liked the yeah the insight into Seth I, I enjoyed. Yeah. Because yeah. it felt like we didn't get to spend too much time with him in the rest of the episode, no. really. So I like this. I like that yeah. it's, it's kind of established that he's a, a decent guy. And it also established that this is going to be a, a main person that we're following. Yeah. Because we're introduced to a lot of characters. And yeah. if it hadn't been that prologue and he just he and his partner had just been coming into town, I don't think it would have he would have stood out, out nearly as much. Right. Plus, he's kind of a proxy for the audience because he's like the outsider that goes into the camp and sees it for the first time. True. And we are also that person. True. Like Dale yeah. Cooper in Twin Peaks. <laughs> I'm just going to keep bringing that up. <laughs> just mention Twin Peaks another four or five hundred times. <laughs> you can count on me. <laughs> Maddie, you can just cut them all out. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's, uh, we, we skip ahead. That was May. This is July of 1876. We're in the Black Hills. South uh, Dakota Territory, there's a wagon train outside of Deadwood. One of the wagons is stuck. Calamity Jane is going to offer to canvas for whiskey on behalf of Wild Bill. He's lying inside one of the wagons with a headache, probably hungover, because uh, he was an alcoholic at this point. Uh, I was going to say, he's either alcoholic or he has brain cancer. <laughs> wow. That's what we're going to find out. <laughs> I was impressed by the fact that it really did look like the Black Hills. Were they filming... Where where were they filming this? All of they it? filmed at a place I think it's called Melody Ranch in in um, California. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they took a they sent somebody out to do a panning shot of the Black Hills and did a little CGI to stick. The town. They did do a little CGI. Those those wagons of yeah. CGI. Yeah, I figured that might be the only CGI you see in the show. <laughs> Maybe I figured probably the wagons and probably the ta- they probably stuck the town in in the hill in mm-hmm. there, too. but uh, it. It did give the impression of Black Hills. Any thoughts on this scene? Um, I have questions, but I don't know if I should ask them. I'll go ahead. And ask them. Oh. I, tell me what like, you thought of Jane, too. Well, she's very butch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she's, she's really tough, but I guess she probably ha- has to be to hang out with a bunch of guys. Like Wild Bill, she has to be tough and if she, she wants to hang out with him. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out if she's in love with Wild Bill. Cause well, I, well, I was going to ask. That was my question. Yeah. Are they oh. married? Oh, she's, she's, they're not married, but she is so in love with him. She's so in love with him. Oh, yeah, she had sparkly eyes. Oh, yeah, (laughs) every time she looked at him, she just about was, was fawning Mm -hmm. all over him. Yeah, and I don't even know if he, like, he noticed, but he's like, meh. (laughs) He knows. Are you kidding? He, he absolutely knows. He does, but I mean, he was just like, I don't know if he cares for her back or if he's just like, well, whatever. She's kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> no, he's he he doesn't. He I likes don't... having her around because she takes care of him. But that's... yeah, <laughs> yeah. My only, 
I primarily know Keith Carradine from being Lundy on Dexter, so this was really shocking to see him this way. This way? <laughs> well, I mean, with the with the mustache and the long hair and stuff, and what what I want to know is that if is that a wig and is it glued, I'm sure it is, is it glued to his hat? Is it like a, you know one of those hats with a wig that you just put on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe it's a weave. I don't know. I'm sure it's a wig. I, I, I would think. To, I want it to be a weave. <laughs> I thought, I thought he looked more like a like a priest than a gunslinger, really. Just yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think I've seen a lot of priests with the that hairstyle and the mustache style that he has, and the hat. <laughs> it's just because he's tall and lanky. That's why you think he's a priest. Maybe. <laughs> That's what Hickok looked like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He had yeah. he had beautiful hair, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, leaving the wagon train, we're going into the camp and seeing uh, Deadwood for the first time from S- Seth Bullock's POV. There are actually people mining in the thoroughfare. Oh, are they mining? I thought they were just... Yeah, that's what they were doing. I thought they were making a basement for a building. I'm pretty sure that they were mining because I that's what they said in the commentary. Oh. <laughs> there was a, um, a stream that ran through the town. Okay. I'm, I'll use camp and town in- interchangeably. Mm-hmm. I wrote down $3 for a pair of chickens. What a bargain. <laughs> I like how that they sell bear meat. Did people eat a lot of bear meat back then? Probably did. I want to try it. <laughs> I know Native Americans ate bear meat all the time. I have a, I had a teacher back in uh, middle school that used to hunt bear, and he said that bear heart for breakfast was the best thing ever. Whoa, that's intense. He's very intense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what kind of a place is Le Babcock, anyways? I think that's what it said. <laughs> Le Babcock? What is that? I don't know. Little bad. <laughs> That's what I caught on the side when they were like going through the town, like going it's, through the. It's probably a saloon. They're all saloons. The Babcock, <laughs> though. I just like it. Sounds like a like up, you know, uppity kind of, you know, very fancy. It's Deadwood's finest French cuisine. Le Babcock. <laughs> <laughs> they were selling whiskey shots right in the street. Yeah. Mm. And it's not. It wouldn't be crazy for there to be French people there. I mean. You know, between Quebec and Louisiana and everybody just coming in from all over That's for the true. gold. Yeah, there's all kinds of nationalities and oh. just people from everywhere. What's his name, the bartender? What's his name, Jim? Dan? Dan. Dan Doherty. Yeah, he reminded me of Frenchie Bearpaw from Briscoe. <laughs> <laughs> just keeps calling back to yeah, other podcasts. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast hijack. <clears throat> anyway... Saul has picked out a location for the hardware store. They're going to be building on a corner lot, tent only. $20 a day to Mr. Swearingen at the gym. Seems like a lot. $20 a day. Oh, yeah. And we we get our first glimpse of Dan Doherty, played by W. Earl Brown. I'm not going to give everyone's, uh, as I said, IMDB credits. You guys can look that up yourselves. Uh, but I do know he was one of the voices in The Last of Us. Oh, oh was he the, the, big, um, the big guy? <laughs> I can't remember his name. Bill, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Because he kind of looks like him, yeah. So I want to know how Al got all this real estate to sell. <laughs> he must have been previously rich before he came here, he's, I guess. He's like the mafia dog, yeah. like yeah. Uh, Deadwood. He's like, you know. Or did he just he show controls. up first and he's like, claimed, 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 and then... Yeah. I, think that's, that, I think that's what you do. Yeah. That, and then you use the muscle like Dan to enforce yeah. it. Yeah. If a lot of the people, it was the ones that got there first and were smart enough not to necessarily mine, mm-hmm. but to set up the uh, infrastructure 
to sell to the miners. Yeah. They're the ones exactly. That, and that's what Seth and Saul are going to do. Exactly. They have no interest in being in some freezing creek trying to pan for gold, but they'll sell the equipment so that you can. Right. This was a quick scene. Any thoughts? Um, Jim Beaver. Yes, we're going into the Gem Saloon where we're going to see Elsewhere Engine and Jim Beaver playing Ellsworth is at the bar. He has brought some gold from his claim, which Al weighs. Al pours him a few shots, and then Dan comes in with the $20 bill to tell him about the uh, hardware guys. And they put that gold on his tab, do they, or for credit or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so basically the word, like, he doesn't even write it down. He's just like, tell everyone he's got this much credit. <laughs> yeah. And he sets up the fact that being there is illegal, both according to the government and the Indians. Mm. So that's another little piece of the the backstory of the the place that they've slipped in there. Yeah, a little exposition, mm-hmm. which I think they handle pretty well. I mean, you you gotta you gotta put exposition in somehow to set people up for the pilot, but you don't want to make it too obvious. Well, they they put a line here and a line there. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Na- as long as it seems natural, I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Swergen, I just have down that he's got a finger in every pot. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's, I mean, between the fact that he's weigh- weighing the gold for him and telling the bartender, okay, you know, that he's got this credit and, and the girls and the guys coming in and saying, okay, he's, this guy's got a plot out in the street and, you get the idea right away that this guy is running things. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was at this point that I poured myself some whiskey. <laughs> I felt obliged. <laughs> did you pour yourself Basil Hayden's, the unofficial whiskey of Hooplecast? I did not know that. I don't know if we no. have any in Canada. <laughs> no, I've never heard of this. I don't know this either. We only have okay. shitty liquors in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fingers there earlier, what is a oh. what is a heavy thumbed motherfucker? What is that? What does that mean? Heavy thumbed? I'm not sure. And that cheap? Is it? No. Uh, that okay. That usually has to do with a thumb on a scale. Ah, uh, so he's tipping the scales in his favor. Kind yeah, of? yeah. Usually that usually that means like if you were buying something from a butcher or something. Yeah. The scale they would. Their thumb, they would put their thumb on to just pull it down a little bit more to, so you wouldn't really get a pound. You'd get less than a pound, but they charge you for a pound. Yeah. Sneaky motherfuckers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. He's kind of accusing him of being a cheat. I just wasn't sure what it meant because all I could think about was like somebody playing video games and having heavy thumbs. <laughs> Thinking about it in modern terms. <laughs> well, sticking your thumb on a scale if somebody's giving you gold would be bad for you, actually. Right. But yeah. that's yeah. But it's probably sh- yeah shorthand that he's maybe a little cheat. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. I mean he's accusing him of being a cheat. Yeah. Maybe you'd put your thumb under. Yeah, you lift it. Lift the scale. Maybe. Ian McShane says that Swearingen is not a royalist. He doesn't think of think of himself as apart from Deadwood. That allowed me to pick up and find Al's voice over the next few episodes probably talking about that line about his accent. His accent that we can't hear. That Carol can hear and none of us I, I can hear it, but only like sparingly. It doesn't go it comes and goes. But it doesn't sound British. It just sounds like he's No, it sounds weird. it sounds like Ernie from Derby's. <laughs> it just comes and goes right. as it pleases. 
Twin Peaks count like four or something yes. right now. We're gonna, you know, just like we're gonna have a dead body count, we're gonna have a Twin Peaks count. <laughs> <laughs> so a shot rings out, and we find that up upstairs in the gem saloon, Trixie has shot her John in the head because he woke up beating on her. Johnny Burns brings the doc in, Doc Cochran, played by Brad Dourif, takes a look at the head wound. It's not good. But somehow he lasted 20 minutes with a bullet to his brain, and he would like to take the body back to his place and prospect. (laughs) (laughs) Prospect! That's, uh, yeah, that's accurate. (laughs) He's putting his brain through a sieve. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Doc Cochran is based on a 17th century English surgeon named Thomas Hunter. But there were a couple doctors in the camp that he may be like an amalgamation of all those people. Well, I was very excited to see Brad Dourif. Yeah, he's very still very creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he usually plays creepy characters. Yeah. Still creepy. No, no, he's just very intense. <laughs> I know he's the voice of uh, Chucky in the Child's Play movies. Of course, I know him best uh, as playing Dennis from the Millennium episode Force Majeure. <laughs> this scene is inspired by a real event. I'm going to quote something from Pioneer Days in the Black Hills. This guy says, On one occasion, as I was passing up the street, I heard a great clash of voices and a shot fired. I waited until others had rushed in, and following them, I beheld a man lying on the floor with a bullet hole clear through his head, back of the eyes. The woman, Trixie, had grabbed a pistol while he was beating her and turned the tables on him. A doctor came and ran a probe through his head. However, there were no brains, at least in that section of the skull. So So this... this is inspired by an actual event. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Head, headshots are all sorts of weird sometimes. <laughs> yeah, They don't always guarantee a kill. Yeah, that it was gross when he put the stick right through. That was a pretty good dummy head. That was cool, but it was gross. It was really <laughs> gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. But it's like, it's very, you know, like medicine back in those days was very disgusting. It's like, why bother back then? <laughs> you're, not, <laughs> yeah. you're barely doing yeah, it. He came, it's like, get the doctor, and he just gets there. It's like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> it's like, not doing anything but being like a moral comfort, like a like moral support, like a yeah. comfort to this guy. It's I'll be interested kind of, to see how much good this doctor can actually do over the course of the series. All he's gonna do is just put cloths on people's foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts on this scene? This is our first glimpse of Johnny, Doc, and Trixie. Mm-hmm. Trixie was definitely knew what was coming. I didn't think Trixie was going to survive the episode. Originally, she was not supposed to. Uh-uh. That doesn't surprise me. Very interesting. Yeah. She's played by Paula Mackelson, who is probably best known today as being Katniss's mother in the Hunger Games films. Oh, okay. <laughs> but she's on some some other TV show. Is it Ray Donovan that she's on? I don't watch it. I don't it, watch but... that, so that's not what I'm thinking of. But I'm not sure what it is. I just I recognize her from something. She was in Caprica. That's it. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah, I watched Caprica. Okay. Wow, you were the one person who watched Caprica. Yeah, I think there were two or three of us. <laughs> <laughs> she's a uh, she's from Ireland, Northern Ireland, Belfast. Who's Ray Donovan? Did you who? Did what? You, say, you say you're talking about someone named Ray Donovan? No, that's the name of a Showtime series. Oh, okay. Yeah, never heard of it. That this that this actress is in, but as I said, she's most famous now as being Katniss Everdeen's mother in The Hunger Games. Which I did I did see the first movie, so. But uh, but yeah, I, Caprica was, yeah, I remember from that. Okay. Back at the wagon train, Wild Bill expresses an urge to Charlie Utter to ride into the camp. 
Jane's going to stay behind and look after the stock. Mm-hmm. That's when a wagon of square heads goes by. They're going home to Minnesota. What's a square head? A person from Minnesota. Oh, okay. That's funny. Or maybe just some kind of Norwegian. That's funny because back home they call, well, if you, if they're being mean, I guess. Because there is like kind of like a, around here, there's kind of like a long-standing like, thing between French and English people. They call English people squareheads. <laughs> How do they? Squarehead is a late 19th century ethnic slur directed at German and Scandinavian immigrants. There you go. But they also call French people frogs, so there you go. <laughs> yep. They go by, Jane smiles at the little girl, the little girl smiles back, it's very touching. We'll have to mention that Dayton Callie plays Charlie Utter. I know he's been in the Sons of Anarchy. Another show I don't watch. I have watched it, I, I missed the last season, but... I did not recognize him. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I did recognize him. What am I t- saying? I just hit, just hit me. Who we're talking about? I had the wrong guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So back into the camp. A man is getting really pissy that it's taking Seth and Saul, Saul so long to unload their wagon. But this is the nature of the camp. It's always crowded. It's there's impassable lanes, and here we we see that Saul is. Like the negotiator, the the diplomat, because he gives the man a free commode <laughs> in an attempt to defuse the tense situation. Yep. Peacemaker. Yeah, peacemaker. definite peacemaker. And while Bill sees this, and he's either impressed or amused. Mm. I just felt like Seth Bullock and Hitchcock recognized each other. Not as people who would met before, but as like-minded kind of... Yep. The same sensibilities, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Cut from yeah. the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I can, I can um, relate. I can relate to the... Um, Bravo! <laughs> to the, uh, <laughs> the crowded uh, streets with the uh, horses and stuff, because uh, our city we live in, St. John, uh, is super old, and all the streets were originally designed for horse and buggy and stuff, and there's a lot of one-way streets now because <laughs> <laughs> of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's very complicated to drive uptown yeah Mm. and in this town they're building everything very fast yeah so so they're not thinking about the future yeah the the traffic lanes yeah plus as you said there's since it's built in the valley which makes sense and they're pretty narrow little valleys and that stream is running through town they're gonna they're not gonna have like a lot of well let's grade this area before we put a house here and to make sure that the road is wide enough. Yeah. They're just, they're just going to throw things wherever. And there was a, a big flood, I don't remember the year, but it w- destroyed a lot of the of the town. Hmm. I have a note that says, uh, so many dirty people in the <laughs> sheriff. The sheriff Bullock and Saul are like the only two, like, they're more, they're cleaner. Mm. They're like, you know, freshly scrubbed. Yeah. <laughs> They've had a bath before they came down. <laughs> Well, it's possible that the people in the street, though, are have been mining all day, working yes. all day in the dirt. I don't know how readily available baths are in this town. <laughs> Not very, I'm sure. Yeah. I just want to overlay the dialogue from Monty Python's uh, Holy Grail onto this scene while Seth comes into town and just have people being like, Who's he? Must be a king. Why? He hasn't got shit all over him. <laughs> 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 Yep. <laughs> well, if I remember correctly, there was back in those days in places like that, there was a whole thing where, yeah, you could 
you could um, get a bath and you paid more depending on how many people had used the bath water before you. Oh, so if you were the people that used the bath water before you, the more you paid for the bath or something. Yeah. I don't know. I know families also shared bath water, and I know it was always like the oldest to the youngest or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Screw so you, youngest. Kids would get the, like, <laughs> oh. the dirtiest bath water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was well, it's very economical either mm -hmm. way. <laughs> it was not a particularly... Or the Japanese who rinse themselves off before they get in the they bath. Yeah, they wash off yeah. before they get in the for the final rinse. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, share the bath that way. Yeah, I forgot to mention that when we were talking about the eating bear, how food was difficult to come by mm -hmm. in this camp. You could get stuff delivered, you know, by coach, but it was often very expensive because of the how dangerous it was to to bring it there through Indian country. Sometimes they didn't make it. Sometimes the roads were impassable due to weather, landslides, all that kind of thing. So they probably ate whatever they whatever they could get their hands on, bear, elk, whatever. Cannibalism. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Think about it the population at the time. Yeah. Well I know there wouldn't For, have been suddenly enough. you have like four thousand people in yeah, one been enough. tiny space. Yeah. No matter what what you can grab normally, you're not it's not gonna be there now. Yeah, no, I know. But So I was, hunger was always a thing that was like a constant struggle. Yeah, Sounds fun. They would have <laughs> they would have stripped everything right away mm -hmm. to yeah. Well, I guess you had liquor as well. And I mean <laughs> if you liquid bread. Liquid bread or liquid potatoes. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> For drinking vodka. <laughs> I don't think vodka was available. <laughs> no. I don't know. Maybe it was. I mean, I'm sure they could plant potatoes and other carrots and other vegetables, but as you said, they stripped everything right away, and then how long does it take to grow that stuff? Yeah. So you got to get stuff brought in, and then, of course, the roads are impassable, wagons are breaking down, Indians are assaulting, or natives. So yeah, the food thing was a big issue. I want to know if you can make liquor out of carrots. You can make liquor out of anything that's... Uh, I'm just curious about the carrots. Like, just... It would be interesting. Let's see, why not? If it's... <laughs> any kind of vegetation, you can make something out of it. Mm, very interesting. <laughs> why don't you make some carrot wine for us, Mel? <laughs> I will! <laughs> <laughs> I have people make wine out of all kinds of crazy things, like dandelions and rhubarb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dandelion wine is a long, has a long history. Does it? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. That was that's been done for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, yeah. rhubarb. I don't. Not so much. <laughs> Trixie tells Al that her John fell asleep after sex, woke up, thought she stole his money, then began to beat on her. Al says she ought to have called Dan or Johnny because shooting customers is bad for his business. True. Then he throws her against a wall, which is pretty brutal, and then puts her th his foot on her throat yeah. until she promises to be good. I was expecting worse, though. Was he about to break her fingers, too, or something? It looked like it. Mm. So she couldn't shoot anybody? <laughs> <laughs> mm. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the camera work on those small action scenes is pretty good. Like, I have a note later, I'll just bring it up here, when uh, when he punches a guy, I like how there's a quick zoom. Right? Yeah, there was. Yeah, it gives it more impact. She knew what he was going to do to her, or had a pretty good idea of what it was. Mm -hmm. Actually, it, it, when she tells him, do what you got to do to me, yeah. that's what sets him off, because he says, don't tell me what to do. 
I think he was going to do that anyways. He just possibly chose, he just chose but... that remark in order to justify it. Yeah, I mean, I I'm sure he was going to do something to her, and she knew he was going to do something to her, and he knew she he was going to do something to her. But that doesn't mean that he wants her to to be the one in charge. I mean, she's kind of taking his some of his power away by by telling him that. We all know this is going to happen. The game is when <laughs> yeah. and why. <laughs> I feel like like I want to know. I want to know a little bit more about like her. I guess what? Well, it's how, a good thing she didn't die then. No, because <laughs> because of how she's like they said she's volatile and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like I just I'm curious as to like if it was slowly building or if she's always kind of done these like over the top kind of things like killing a dude. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Or I wonder if that was her first guy that she killed, you know. I don't know. Well, we find out later that she's sleeping with him, and possibly he has her and his confidence mm-hmm. in a way that he doesn't with the other prostitutes, so maybe she feels like she has the leeway to push push certain boundaries. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this violent scene? Okay, at the Grand Central Hotel... While Bill Hickok and Charlie Utter are checking in with the owner, E.B. Farnham, who's played by William Sanderson. Who's okay. in everything. But, who's in everything. <laughs> but Farnham doesn't have any rooms at the moment, so they're going to have to share a room. For at least for now. I also, there's a sign on the on the wall that says a dollar for a room with grub, and I also think that's a bargain. <laughs> um, <laughs> actual grubs just all over the place. <laughs> um... <laughs> I could have sworn the first time he spoke, he said he was P.T. Barnum. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I heard, too. I was like, oh, we're going to get a circus. Um, Oh, it's the Carnival Deadwood crossover that never happened. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, William Sanderson, um, yeah, I I just saw him recently in uh, Blade Runner. I remember him from a few things. He He's kind of odd in that he, like, a lot of people with heavy southern accents are usually, like, unfairly stereotyped as, like... Hicks mm-hmm. when when they're cast, but yeah. most things I've seen him in, he's pretty fancy. Like he's like a scientist or some sort of genius or this businessman or, but he's got a thick Southern accent. I'm not sure what about him puts off that he's you know smart or sophisticated or whatever, as opposed to those other actors. <laughs> Maybe it's his high voice. I don't know. I don't remember him that way. That's interesting. I remember him from Blade Runner that he had those little toys, like wind up toys. Yeah, he was a genius. Yeah, yeah. And he he was he played a he was in the Batman oh, animated that, series. Was that him? That was him as a like a scientist for a few episodes. And what? That was him. Yeah, I was, was trying to tell you that. Yeah, but I couldn't remember him at all. Mm. I was like, it doesn't look familiar to me. But it it's like such a time difference from well, yeah, Blade Runner to eighty two to yeah, yeah, and I didn't recognize him at all. No, he has a very distinctive voice. You can never forget his voice once you learn I forgot it. it. <laughs> well, you forget everything. You won't, you won't remember what happened in this episode I barely next remember, time we record. I barely remember what happened in this episode, and I watched it two days ago. <laughs> oh, I have down that Bill Hickok makes strangers nervous. And ev- oh, yeah. Everyone has heard of him somehow, and they all know what he looks like. Well, he was very famous. I mean, he had he was a showman. He was... There were books written about him, like the Penny Penny Dreadful books or whatever they were. Um, I might be misstating that. People wrote stories about him and all kinds of stuff, made him into a big living legend. He was a celebrity yeah, back he was, then. Absolutely. And you could see you could tell when he got to camp, everyone was like, Oh, did you hear Bill Hickok's yeah. in town? Oh, that's Bill yeah. Hickok. 
oh, cool, he's coming to our bar. Oh, mm. cool. Oh, yeah, because didn't the guy offer to pay to have him drink there exclusively? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's a yeah. draw. Drink and yeah. play cards there. Yep. I, I'm i going to have to admit that I have a really difficult time saying Wild Bill, Bill Hickok. I find it's a tongue twister. <laughs> Just say I wild say Bill. Wild Bill, but yeah, I keep wanting to say Hecock. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm not going to say his last name. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Although I should practice. I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess that there aren't going to be that many wide, wild bills in this particular show. Oh. To Just get to, confused. I think that's a pretty yeah. fair <laughs> guess, yeah. We're going to know who you're talking All right. about now. You, can, you know what? You can even say Bill. <laughs> you know, old Bill. Or Lundy. <laughs> I'm going to just call him Lundy. I'm going to call him Keith Carradine. <laughs> <laughs> he was also Molly's dad in Fargo, the first season. And if you haven't watched no, Fargo, watch it. watch it now. See you later. We're watching it now. <laughs> no, no, not now. I didn't mean literally now. I'll just open it in a new window. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's nighttime now, and EB is at the gym informing Al that uh, Wild Bill is in town. Al is not pleased. Then Dan informs Al that the New York dude is downstairs sipping whiskey. And Al sends E.B. to go get uh, Tim Driscoll. Pretty pretty short scene. Everyone's just kind of reporting things yeah. to Al. Yeah, I, had, I just have a note saying Schwingen is playing a con on somebody. Mm-hmm. He's like uh, Varys from uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you could make money panning for gold, or you could buy a claim that pinched out, put a couple gold flakes on it, and sell it to a sucker as a working gold claim and make money that way. Which is kind of what he's doing here. Yep. He's getting the claim. He's getting Tim Driscoll to sell his claim that's worthless to Brom Garrett, and then Al's going to take a cut because he's... he's So what happened was Dan, the bartender, went with Brom to scout it out, and he brought some gold with him, and he said he found it there? They probably salted it Did beforehand. He, s- he just made sure they found it. Yeah, but I think he says at the end you have to make sure it pinches out. But yeah, Brom did have some gold that he said he got from there, so... But it was probably planted. Yeah, it was planted by Dan, probably, right? Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I, th- I think this is probably going to turn around against Al, and he's probably actually going to find a new a new source of gold on this. But we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just what I want to happen. <laughs> all this, mm-hmm. sh- all these shenanigans, these like business shenanigans, don't interest me at all. I'm no? just gonna come right out and say it. No, I was just not. I couldn't pay attention to it. That's that's the most confusing part for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just can't. I can't do it. <laughs> but we'll see. It might get better. But I just, I, I was like, I don't even know what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, you, sometimes you don't really have. You kind of get from the context that something's happening, and one guy's up and one guy's down. Yeah, that's really all you yeah. need to know. Yeah, I mean, I but, think uh, a lot of it you just have to take the character cues about it that shows that this is one more thing that Swearingen is into that he's also cheating. He's he's running cons on on the new people and that he's got a whole mess of people involved with it. And he's got like a whole crew that is running. I assume this is not the first time he's done this. Mm. You know, running cons on it. And then what that says about the New York dude 
and who he is and that's what I kept calling him too. <laughs> He's just out of his depth here. It says, you know, I have a note here that guy from New York is an obvious mark. It's just mm-hmm. He's not a. He's, I don't think he's a bad person. He's just a naive. He's a sucker. Yeah. He's, he's totally out of his depth. He's in a in an environment he doesn't know anything about, and he's got that that superior, the upbringing that has told him he's superior to to these louts, and that he can. Hmm, that's interesting. I didn't get that that read on him that he had that kind of feeling. No, but he's just he's fancy. Like he's fancy, and people probably. Fancy people yeah. as, you know, like, they look down upon fancy people and they imagine that fancy people would look down upon them. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice him make any disparaging comments about it. No, anyone. he didn't. <laughs> he didn't at all. Mm. But In fact, when they said uh, spit in your hand to shake on the deal, he was kind of like, what? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he was fine. Yeah, like, he kind of he kind of just went along with it. Yep. Yeah. He could have been like, oh, no, sir, I shall not shake <laughs> your hand. But he didn't yeah. say that. It was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. We're going to go uh, to that scene in a sec, but first let's go back across the street to the hardware store where we find out that Bullock is a terrible salesman, <laughs> but Saul wins over the crowd. Okay, this was the best. <laughs> I got uh, pans and picks and shovels. He sounded like, like Bill Murray playing Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just the monotone. Just the monotone, like like I hate Mondays. <laughs> got some... Got some- Boots and picks got here. Some picks and boots. Got some, anyone got some lasagna? I hate Mondays. <laughs> Mondays are the worst. It was adorable. I was like, aw. <laughs> yeah. Don't piss me off. I'll ship you to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. There's a, a man bragging that he bought a bar of soap for 50 cents and it had a $5 price inside. We learn on the commentary that this huckster is based on a real person named Soapy. <laughs> no way! I don't think it's a spoiler to say that we're going to see him a couple more times. Oh, are we really? Okay. Uh-huh. I just like when he's dispatched and he's like, he tilts his head, he's like, good day to you, sir, you've beaten me. I know! <laughs> yes! That was the best, that was like my favorite moment. <laughs> I'm sorry, when he said what? Well, he didn't actually say that. It was just he tipped his hat to Seth after Seth told like, him. Seth told, like, yeah, he's like, get out of here! Like, you're ruining our business. He's like, oh, respect- fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, I did. Li- I like that moment too. Yeah, it's great. He says that their goods were uh, perfected at the Montana strikes. If you want to know what the Montana strikes, what that was, go onto uh, onto our website and look at the resources because I'm not going to tell you. Cool. Huh. But it's in my show notes. Also, I did a little background on the Battle of Little Bighorn, because I believe they referenced that, too. So if you want to know what those things are, go onto the website. That's my con. <laughs> I wonder how long it takes. Oh, if you open up the website, you might find uh, 20 bucks inside. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't want to read about any of those things, because uh, <laughs> I spoil myself on the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I wonder how long it takes Seth and Saul to get uh, resupplied. I'm sp- sure we'll find out, but... And who does the resupplying? I'm guessing one of them will probably have to go and get stuff and bring it back. Mm. They said that the transportation, with a markup considering the peril that they brought it, all factored into the price of the of their stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My show notes, by the way, are spoiler-free. Okay. So we go back to the gym, and Brahm is downstairs. He's, uh, he gets teased about being a scourge at the Pharaoh tables. Uh, Pharaoh, it's a just a, a game, a card game kind of 
dealer draws two cards, and then you bet on what the winning card and losing card will be. Fun fact, though, that in 1882, the New York Police Gazette reported that more money was bet on Pharaoh than all other forms of gambling combined and was the leading cause of bankruptcy in the United States. <laughs> wow. It was super easy to cheat at Pharaoh, both the dealer and the player. And Pharaoh tables were operated by independent people, not the saloon. Al teases Brahm about being really good at Pharaoh, and he's like, nah, I'm not. I'm, don't, don't confuse me with being a card sharp. Hmm. He's going to buy Tim Driscoll's claim, and Tim Driscoll comes in. That actor is Dan Hildebrand. If you watch Game of Thrones, you may know him as the slave master Krasnus Monaklaus. I don't know. He's one of the, he's one of the, uh, he's the main guy back who's going to buy Danny's dragon. Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy. The guy who is, uh, insulting everyone in, uh, Valerian. Oh, really? Yep. He shows up a little bit later in this show, playing a different character, totally unrecognizable. Hmm. But uh, all this, all this stuff that Mel didn't pay attention to, it's basically <laughs> just a con to get Brom to buy Tim Driscoll's claim. But then EB comes in and he's like, "But I want to buy the claim, and I'll pay more than him." Oh no, I'll pay more. No, I'll pay more. Oh, you beat me. It's just they're just, it's just a ploy yeah. to to drive the price. Then it sounded like it backfired. Somehow, and I was confused, and I was no. I think he just because there's so many characters. I think Al characters, just took, and I couldn't get who was who, who and who's swindling who straight. Well, yeah. well, two things. Al is not happy that this con is going in a direction that he did not approve of. He did not know that EB was going to do this, and he does not like being kept out of the loop. Even though it, that's the first. Even thing. though it made him more money in the end. Yes, <laughs> but then the second thing, and we kind of get a hint of this later, is that he's afraid that. Brahm comes out with so much money to buy this claim, then the price suddenly goes up. People back east that are backing his money, his his bank, his people in New York are going to think that something might be up, and they might send the Pinkertons out. Which is a, uh. the Pinkertons were like it started as a as like a detective agency, but then they be, kind of became the muscle of a lot of corporations. And they were pretty much known as strike breakers. Uh-huh. And he's afraid that if people start thinking, oh, that, that there's a con here, that it's gonna, it, that's gonna backfire. Yeah. Yeah. He had definitely, he apparently had decided on what, how much they could milk out of this guy in the first three days he was there. Mm-hmm. Without raising any alarms. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm sure he plans on getting every penny the guy's got eventually, but he's trying to be yeah. smart. He's trying to be smart. He's trying to, you know, he's not, he's not a reckless person. So he's not happy that all of a sudden the price went way up. And we hear that Brom later is like, oh, I'm going to have to go ask father for more money. Mm-hmm. And then what's father going to say? You know, he's, then he's going to start asking questions and it's going to lead to more questions. And Al does not want things complicated. Right. So that's, this is what we take away from the, the scene. I think it's Brahm says he found something claim nine above discovery. I just want to clarify that the first claim that you find on a creek is called discovery. Then anything upstream is above discovery and anything below stream is below discovery. So the ninth claim upstream from the first claim would be claim nine above discovery. That's what that meant. Oh, cool. I guess anyone was confused. Did anyone have any thoughts about this uh, con? Yeah, it took me both watch throughs to figure out who was being conned by who. And I stuff. still don't know even after you because <laughs> the, fir- <laughs> the first time I went through I, I, I didn't catch that Dan was the bartender and I thought Dan was his secret inside guy who was helping him actually swindle Al somehow. <laughs> well that's what 
the New York guy thinks. Oh, does he? I thought he just thought that guy helped him find some gold and make sure it was a good... I, I think Brom believes that Al and Dan are, like, just good people. Yeah. And and Al's just kind of, like, um, backing uh, Brom's note, like, sort of, like, co-signing a loan kind of thing. Yeah. And that Dan's help... Dan works for Al, and, and uh, you know, maybe Al will get a cut from whatever gold that they find, just for, for being kind of, like, the intermediary. But... What Brom doesn't realize is that the claim is worthless. Yeah. Well, Brom, Brom mentions how, you know, he gloats a little bit about how Al doesn't know, doesn't realize that Dan is helping him, letting him know how things are going and all of this stuff. So, Oh, that's right. Yeah, so he actually thinks, they've managed to set this guy up so that he thinks that one of the people who's conning him is actually on his side and helping him con his boss. Mm-hmm. So they've got him totally covered. Everybody around him except his wife is in on the con. And of course his wife is hot. Oh, we're going to talk about her. Yeah. But first, there's a bit of a fracas in the thoroughfare as Wild Bill and Charlie show up at the number 10 saloon. The proprietor is Tom Nuttall, played by Leon Rippey. We also meet... A.W. Merrick, the newspaper man, he works at the Deadwood Pioneer. He's played by Jeffrey Jones, who is a giant. Like The guy is, like, huge. He was the uh, principal in Ferris Bueller. Oh, was he? Yep. And he's also most recently known for being accused of child porn. I was not going to tell you that in case it (laughs) colored your opinion of the character. I already knew that about him. (laughs) Okay. Spoilers, Matt. Spoilers. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, should I tell them about the uh, allegations? Nah. (laughs) Then they won't like the character. No, it doesn't doesn't affect my opinion of the character either way just the actor okay it's just like it's just like listening to michael jackson's music doesn't let i don't know yeah i he might be a pedophile maybe but he still made good music kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) i don't know okay Um, i I just literally have a note lots of well-known character actors everywhere just a ton of actors that you've seen in other things who go on to other things who did uh you guys watch Lost? Once. I've seen once. It. Yeah, I've seen it just a long time ago. I, I just saw the first few episodes and I stopped. Both Robin Weigart and Paula Mackelson were in Lost. So was John Hawks. Yeah, a lot of Lost actors. At one of the tables is uh, Con Stapleton. He saw Wild Bill Hickok kill Phil Coe and Abilene. This was an incident where Wild Bill killed his own deputy, Mike Williams, by mistake. It's kind of what drove him away from Abilene and, and, and to Deadwood, kind of like he was haunted. He killed his own deputy, and he became really just a wreck because of that. Was he drunk? I don't think so. I think he was doing something in, in a capacity of law enforcement, and there was movement behind him, and he thought he was being attacked, and he turned around and he shot the guy, but it turned out to be his deputy. Ah. At the at one of the tables is Jack McCall, who's played by Garrett Dillahunt, and he's not impressed with Wild Bill. Mm-hmm. He's just not impressed. We learn that Wild Bill has a, a warrant out on him in Cheyenne. He jokes and says it's for vagrancy, but actually it's not. It's not a joke. In real life, he was issued a warrant because he was passed out drunk. <laughs> on the commentary, David Milch says that A.W. Merrick was a hypochondriac who listed in his first edition his various ailments as an excuse to why his paper wasn't longer. <laughs> Any thoughts on that scene? I just have that there's always someone who has to be unimpressed and wants to take on the big shot. Yeah, even you, I guess when you're a celebrity, you just kind of attract these 
these people who want to be famous by proxy. Yeah. Like, you know, the guy who's, who was, had a crush on Jodie Foster, so he mm-hmm. took a shot at Reagan, was like, are you impressed now? Mm-hmm. Has uh, Hit- Hitchcock sat down and, and all of that stuff at this point? He's, he's started playing cards? Or are they still just talking? Because I just have here that, you know, I noticed Hickok always sat with his back to the wall, and so, you know, they have that. Mm. I always kind of wondered if if you saw Hickok or somebody like that come into the room and he starts heading over to play cards, do you automatically move away from the seat with your back to the wall because you know that... <laughs> I don't want any crossfire. <laughs> yeah, that's because that's going to be Hitch- Hickok's... I want to say Hitchcock. Hickok's uh, spot or, mm. or whatever, but uh, they also mentioned that Hickok, they indicate he's a lousy card player. Do they? Yeah, I don't know if it's anyone's quote, but Charlie says something like, you're going to have to s- see all the way back to Cheyenne. That's because that's how, how long he's been losing money. Mm-hmm, yeah. He also makes a lot of money because he's a celebrity, probably, so <laughs> he can afford to lose a lot of money. Well, Charlie, we find out later, is trying to set something up for Wild Bill. Mm. We'll, we'll get there in a sec, but back at the gym, Jewel, the gimp, she's cleaning the room, Trixie gives her money to buy another gun, and I don't know about you, but this line where she says, never mind what for, sounds really 80-yard. Oh, I did. It doesn't, sound, it doesn't sound like it comes from the actress. Oh, I'd have to listen again. In the commentary, David Milch says that he met Jerry Jewel at a drugstore before they shot the pilot, and he thought it would be interesting to add a handicapped person to the camp. So what 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 does she what is her affliction? Cerebral palsy. Oh. Uh. Brahm, the goose-looking fella, will pay fourteen thousand to Tim. They spit in their hands. Done. That's when Eb comes in and offers sixteen. They drive it up to twenty thousand mm. before Tim finally sells. We already talked about that. Yeah. Back at the number ten, Wild Bill's losing at poker. This is when Charlie is uh, arranging with Tom Nuttall exclusive rights to Wild Bill's patronage. He says half the money goes to Bill for drink and gambling or whatever, but then half is going to go to Charlie so that Charlie can hold it in trust for Bill because Bill just got married and needs to put a stake together. Tom thinks that Charlie might be taking advantage of Wild Bill, but Charlie is offended. So Bill just got married? Yeah, he just got married. To who? A circus performer, actually. (laughs) Oh. Where is this person? Where is this person? (laughs) Uh, He left her somewhere. He's come out here to prospect, and then he's going to bring some money back to her, oh. I guess is what, what happens. Circus performer. Interesting. David Milch says in his book, Stories of the Black Hills, What struck me so about the character of Wild Bill was the extent to which he had been appropriated by the media. They turned him into something. They sucked the life right out of him. So by the time he arrives in Deadwood, he is like an ember that retains only the barest modicum of heat. Mm. Mm. Kind of what uh, we we said, how people sort of surround celebrities like parasites just to mm-hmm. kind of be in their orbit, and then they just sort of suck uh, suck them dry. Yeah, yeah. He was run down by all the attention. Yeah, and that and killing his deputy just he turned to drink. He became like an alcoholic, and he he's just past his prime here. He's the original Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, they have so much in common. <laughs> Well, they both have uh, uh, luscious locks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And also, when you have a reputation as a gunfighter and a you know, and all of this, even if it's a lawman and stuff, there's there's a lot of pressure on you with people looking to fight you and prove themselves and all of that. Or people expecting you to solve their problems for them. That's true. 
But yeah, I'm sure he's constantly getting not bullied, but as you said, they they want to see if he's really as good as they say he is. Mm-hmm. Let's see how much trouble we can stir up. Mm-hmm. We're at the hotel now in an upstairs room where Alma Garrett, played by Molly Parker, is fixing herself some laudanum. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what does this do again? Laudanum is 10% opium and 90% alcohol. It's usually flavored with cinnamon or saffron. Sounds delicious. It it was the drug of choice of upper-class women. So she's basically high all the time, is what you're saying? It was also prescribed for, for like, menstrual cramps and all sorts of things, like, as a just a narcotic, kind of like Valium, I suppose. So you're saying she's going to be on her period all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brom thinks it's because she's got, she gets headaches. Yeah. He walks in, he says, banish all headaches. Well, she doesn't have a headache, you idiot. She's just high. Yeah. <laughs> it was used a lot to keep upper-class women in line mm-hmm. because there was a diagnosis of hysteria that it oh, also yeah. <laughs> was used to to take care of. That anytime a woman became unhappy with her situation in life, she was judged to be hysterical. And laudanum was one of the things they would give them. They also prescribed other things that are really weird. <laughs> yeah, and if she had the wrong kind of husband, he could put her away in an yeah in an institution, insane asylum for life. Yeah, yeah, it was not a happy thing. And I have big blind big thing here. Ah, laudanum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Brom doesn't seem like the type to put her away. He. He he seems more into her than she's into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the first time I watched this, he has this line where he's like, I spent our entire 20000 And she goes, oh, well. And I originally thought that she was just like, oh, what's 20000 Because we have so much money. But now I realize that through that, that whole scene, she's high. She doesn't care about anything he's saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I actually have that she seems to suspect what's going on. There's a look she gets where, you know, it's like, she knows him well enough, and she suspects what's going on, but she's just too drugged up to care. Yeah, I get the impression she's more aware of what's going on in the camp from her hotel room, where she never leaves, where she's high all the time, than he does when and he's walking around the camp. She's a, She has more situational awareness than he does. I didn't, uh, I didn't like her. Mm-hmm. I thought she was... <laughs> Her aristocracy just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But it might also be because she was high. Like, it was just like that just weird, like, I don't know, I don't care kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, that's originally what I thought. But when you think about it, she's self-medicating. Yeah. Why is she doing that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've, now that you guys are saying that, it's... it's Either, either she's doing it because she's in a situation that she finds horrible, mm-hmm. or he started to get her to do it. Now she can't stop. But either way, she's... She's alter, altering her reality because she can't deal with what yeah. where she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my that was how I kind of ended that thing when it was like that she seems to suspect what's going on, but too drugged up to care. And I said probably why she takes the laudanum. Mm-hmm. I mean, if she feels like she's married to a fool, that may be her way of dealing with it. Of just like you know what, just keep being a fool. I'm going to be over here feeling just fine. <laughs> yeah. He, he tells her that he spent all their money, and now he has to contact father, but she doesn't care. She's high. Okay. 
We get a quick moment where uh, that John, that Trixie shot in the head, is fed to Mr. Wu's pigs. We see them pull his intestines out. Nom, 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 nom. David Milch says in the commentary, I could watch people fed to animals pretty much 24 hours a day. So he must love uh, Hannibal, or whichever movie that was in. Uh, I think it was Hannibal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I reserve the right to hold my hand up over any part of the screen while these things are going on, so I can watch it. I I, I knew what was going to be going on. I did not need to see it. It's gross, but I, I'm probably like a little bit like David Milch, where I'm like, ah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's kind of horrible, but it's also interesting. <laughs> Back at the uh, gym, Al's not pleased that Tim and E.B. talked Brahm up to the 20,000. We already talked about why. but I was surprised when it turned out that he was not part of taking him to the 20,000. Because mm-hmm. at the time, I thought it was... When I watched it through the second time, I was like, okay, so when he keeps trying to stop them... He really meant it. Yeah. And he goes, you just reopened the bidding. What are you doing? Yeah, he was... Yeah. I think that's a really interesting twist. Yeah. Because I had assumed the first time through that he had that he had orchestrated the whole thing. But then when this happened, it was like, oh, okay, he wasn't part of taking him up there. So do you think that when Al orders Tim to be killed, that he's doing it because he wants to keep all of Tim's money, his share, or because he's... Tim is too much of a wild card. I doubt it's the share because he didn't really give him much. <laughs> what do you settle for? Five hundred? <laughs> at least, yeah. At least for now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the latter. Maybe he knows too much now. Although, you'd, you'd... and he's not trustworthy. So, yeah. <laughs> we learned that uh, Tim Tim is Irish. And he does not like Al because Al is English. Mm-hmm. And when Al says, uh, are we holding markers against you like for gambling debts and stuff? He's like, yes, you've been holding markers against me and my kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope that's no one's quote. But No, I, I noticed that he said that. Yeah, so there's a little um, ethnic uh, rivalry there. Mm-hmm. And EB is like a toady. He's like, so like, did you, I didn't, I wasn't part of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a good guy, right? Yeah. I thought he uh, probably had him killed because he was a loose end in the whole thing. If mm-hmm. if an investigation does come down, if the, if he does get saddled with Pinkertons or something like that, the guy is dead. He can't bring him back to. He can't spill That's true. spill the beans on everything. That's true. If anyone investigates this whole thing, they're gonna they'll have one fewer person to talk to. Yeah. If Tim had not driven that price up, yeah, he probably would still be alive. Oh yeah, yeah. Have- See where greed gets you. <laughs> it gets you fed to pigs. Speaking of greed, like Al's very greedy and he's all about money and stuff, but I'm confused as to what good is that back then? Like, especially for a man in his position who just spends his entire day at the bar making money. Where does he use this money? What does he use it for? When does he he's enjoy a himself? He's a Scrooge. He just hoards it? Yeah. Probably. Like, like what I mean, sure you're rich, but He's got all the he's got all the whores in the world to enjoy, all the liquor, all the gambling tables. I don't know. He, he seems to live in the bar. He didn't buy himself a mansion. He likes to be well, in I a guess. position of power. Yeah. yeah, I think there's two two things occurred to me, and one was what you just said that it's power. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that this is not going to last all that long, and he's smart enough to know that. Yeah. This is a, this yeah. is a boom and bust situation that was repeated over and over and over again throughout the West. They would find silver somewhere. There would be 
maybe a year or two of this chaos where where unscrupulous people could make a whole lot of money off from people who were trying to get rich quick and then the whole thing would bust and everybody would move on so he's he's making the money while he can not not just that but in this place government doesn't exist yet right he's thinking of well, that's not going to last. This place is going to be annexed by the United States. Oh. Then I have to pay taxes. Then there's regulation. People, if people, more people are going to show up. This place is going to become civilized, and that's where's that going to leave me? Oh, right, okay. right. So he is thinking ahead, and he's making it while he can, and then, and then he'll do the next thing. Yep. Then maybe he'll enjoy himself. <laughs> he is an entrepreneur. <laughs> Oddly enough, I think he is enjoying himself. He seems pretty stressed. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I think he's, I think he's thriving. Yeah. I think yeah. this is an this is an environment where he that he was born to thrive in. Yeah, I I think that's his. I think that's his happy face. <laughs> yeah, probably. You're probably right. Oddly enough, yeah. This is me smiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. At the uh, hardware store, the Reverend Smith, played by Ray McKinnon, is. Uh, Smith. I I have a note. I'm, I didn't know that character's name. Is this Joseph Smith? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Reverend Smith based on a real character. There was a Reverend Smith, completely different type of person. Okay. Oh, this this guy's very fascinating. I like this guy. He's scary. He is the most sincere, nice person. Well, he and Saul Star are both like decent people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he and he's just uh he's fascinated where everyone grew up. He's like, oh, you're from Ontario and you're from Austria? I have in my notes Australia. That's not right. I'm going to touch that now. <laughs> not Vienna, Australia. Okay, done. Yeah, Seth Bullock is from, a, he says he's from Etobicoke. He might actually be from Windsor. That's a place I've actually heard of. <laughs> oh. Yes, that was right across the border growing up, Windsor. Remember, that's where I told you where people, kids would go to drink when they were 19 because they could legally drink there. <laughs> yeah. They would go to Windsor. That's right. Funny side story. I was leaving a Coyotes Kings game at the Staples Center, and I went out to hail a cab. And I got in the cab, and the cab driver was like Dominican or from Jamaica. He was he was a from the Caribbean, but he says, "Where are you from?" So I was just like, "Etobicoke, Ontario." And he goes, "Oh, no kidding! I used to live there." No way! <laughs> He's uh, like, "Where did what street did you live on? Where did you live? I lived on the blah 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 blah. Did you ever go to da 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 da?" And I was like, "Um, maybe." I don't- Remember, <laughs> so, I'm a big liar. Like wow, caught in a lie. Yeah, that's hilarious. You can't go wrong with Main Street. <laughs> I'm from First Street. Yeah. Oh, there aren't. I don't know if there's so many of those in Canada. There's no, here you could say, um, you could say Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Yeah, there's a lot of Main Streets and a lot of uh, King Streets, Queen Streets. Yeah, King Canada. Queen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot of our downtown streets are presidents. Like. Just about every town town. That's Jefferson, that's Washington, that's Adams Street. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> that's Nixon Street. No one goes there. <laughs> <laughs> that street's crooked. <laughs> so, we like the Reverend? I like the Reverend. I, I think he's a good guy. I, I don't know if I like him. He's going to turn out to be a I don't know if I can still be around him, but... <laughs> oh, what'd you say? Necrophiliac? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just because we mentioned that earlier. He just doesn't... He doesn't blink. He's a little bit like, uh, I don't know. He's just like, 
I don't know. People that don't blink freak me out. He's super earnest. Yeah. Yeah, He's too earnest. Go away. No, it's a refreshing change from all the other Mm -mm. characters. I don't like it. I don't like it. But I enjoy watching him, but I don't like it. I don't (laughs) like people that don't blink. All right. They stare at you. You like John Bly. I like John Bly because he's ridiculous. Evil. And evil. <laughs> this guy's secretly evil, don't worry. That's a Briscoe reference for those of you listening who have not <laughs> listened to Intro to Briscoe. <laughs> I like him because he's, again, it's a, a change. It's yeah. another, a different kind of facet, a different kind of person. He's, he just strikes me to be the type of guy that would do anything to impress you. Mm, maybe. And that's what I like. He's kind of like a Millhouse. Yes! <laughs> Thank you. Nobody's He's kind of a those. nerdy kind of a loser, but <laughs> a good guy to have around. He's, he's not he's not a guy who's going to stab you in the back or slit your throat. Yeah. yeah. Millhouse. Not just and I don't just mean because he's a reverend, but just cuz he's a good guy. That's why he makes money watching people's goods during the night. How can he yep. watch everybody's goods all at once? Well, not everybody leaves all at once. Oh, I guess. I guess he would guess... Sca- scare them away by staring intensely at them. <laughs> and, like, just making small talk and people are like, ah, oh, get away. <laughs> just, have, you heard, have you heard the good word? No, <laughs> no, <just> not interested. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, he sees shifty looking people and he just holds up the Bible and he taps it. And then they feel bad and they leave. Oh, they're like, no, thank you. <laughs> the Bible is his gun. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he keeps the gun in his Bible. No, he shoots sure. Bible versus people, kind of like in a fortune cookie style kind of thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a game called of Juarez. I think that one of the weapons was a Bible oh, was it? or something. Yeah. What? <laughs> anyway. I was actually wondering how they were going to manage that before he showed up. It was like, Okay, are they going to have to do everything in shifts with one of them standing guard over their stuff all day and all night? Did you make sure to lock the tent? Yeah, Yeah, that was that's a good little bit of um, world building there. Yeah, that they were smart enough to kind of recognize. Well, if these guys have a tent, how can we have them go anywhere together? Yeah, exactly. Uh, A writer comes in. We learn his name later. Not in this episode, perhaps, but his his name is Ned, so we'll just call him Ned. He tells Seth that the Metz family was found murdered on the road to Spearfish. They are the squareheads that we saw at the beginning of the episode. And they then's all hacked and spreads around. <laughs> and Seth is immediately suspicious. Yep. Mm. As he seems like, kind hmm. I don't know how many crimes happened where they blamed it on Indians, but I'm guessing it happened a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of like how today, um, did you see the guy who did that? Yeah, it was a black guy. Kind of like the the Black Plague, where people were like it was the Jews. Yeah, it was the. It's always somebody else, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're too clean. <laughs> they wash too often. It must be them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Um, this was when I fell asleep the first time, and then the second time I watched it, I was like, "Wow, I fell asleep at the most interesting part." <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, this kind of kicks off the. I mean, this episode. This pilot does not really have a plot until this point, when it kind of becomes about the family that was murdered. Until then, it's just kind of like, well, we're meeting these people, there's a con happening here, mm. pieces are being laid, but now we got, like, a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who killed these people? Yeah. That's a very good point. And we'll see how it unifies everyone here. Uh, at the saloon, number 10, Jack McCall is threatening Wild Bill Hitchcock. He's saying that he outdrew the greatest gunfighter in the world. And Wild Bill's like, at cards, you mean, right? <laughs> Jack's like, yes. What could I have meant? He's like, I don't know. What did you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm down at the jerk was playing poker with Hickok, and then that Hickok really takes this concept of being outdrawn seriously. I mean, this is this is not something to play around with Hickok about. Mm-hmm. Merrick is drunk at the bar, and he's doing a little exposition for us. He's telling Charlie that he feels the United States will rescind the Fort Laramie Treaty and give the land back to the Indians, and then Deadwood will be annexed into the United States' as bosom. <laughs> and then we get a funny line. I like that. Well, wait a minute. Does he say he'll give the land back to the Indians? Or take the land back from the Indians? Oh, yeah, and you're right. He's They're going to keep the land. They're going to rescind the treaty and then keep the land. Yeah, yeah. Knock his back. Yeah, I misread my notes. It says... Merrick is drunk and is telling Charlie he feels the United States will rescind the Fort Laramie Treaty that gave this land back to the Indians. Talked about the treaty before. The white miners came in and basically violated the treaty, but instead of the United States sticking to the treaty and kicking those white people out, they decided to force the Indians off. Yep. Yeah, when you said that, I thought you were saying, they're giving it back, quote. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> they they did. That was the treaty. We're giving it and now back they're saying to you. We <laughs> promise, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting because there is a racist term called Indian giver, mm-hmm. about somebody who gives something and then takes it back. Yeah. But that's what the United States government's doing. Yeah. I always looked at that and I thought, gee, are they meaning that the person who is giving it? Did what the U.S. government did, give it to the Indians, then take it back? Or what would we call an Indian taker? Well, <laughs> I don't should know. Should be called government giver. Government, that's what, that's what it should be called. <laughs> Seth brings uh, Ned into the saloon, and they have like a little cult arms moment. There's a family murdered, and the writer's like, I'm not going back out there. Bill is like, I'll... I will guarantee that your scalp will work going back out there. The Ned is very upset. He does not want to go out there. Again, this kind of reinforces Seth's suspicion that this was not Indians. This was white road agents or whatever. Did you, did everybody else get the same idea that Seth brought the guy in to quote, have a drink specifically so he could talk to the guy in a saloon where they could talk loudly and get everybody involved with going out to find the kid. Absolutely. Yeah, he's pretty smart. He's wily. Yeah. And he just kind of lucked out that uh, Wild Bill was at the table, too. Yeah. And Wild Bill said that he was a marshal in Kansas, Seth was a marshal in Montana. So again, they kind of have that connection. And Wild Bill does not think that this story about Indians holds any water, either. Yeah. Al's upset because the dude is asking his bank for more money. That means the bank may be suspicious that the dude is being fleeced. This could mean the Pinkertons will come out. So Dan has to make sure that that claim pitches out to keep things seeming above board. That's when he gets news of the Mets family, and he hits Johnny because he's like, uh, why did you let that guy run his mouth downstairs until, instead of bringing this to me immediately? Because this news is really going to put a dampen on my customers. Mm-hmm. And that's all he cares about. He doesn't care about the dead family. He cares about how his action downstairs is going to be affected. So we go downstairs, Dan shoots the ceiling, Al offers a $50 bounty per Indian head, but starting tomorrow, So, but nobody should leave now. Mm-hmm. Also, he buys everyone around, he discounts pussy for 15 minutes, and everyone decides to stay. Because, hey, we can go tomorrow. Everyone cheers. <laughs> and everyone cheers. Yay! 50% off pussy! <laughs> Al already suspects persimmon fill. <laughs> <laughs> 
murdered the family and blames it on the natives. This is when Jewel brings Trixie a gun, and then Jane, a.k.a. Sewermouth, comes into the saloon looking for Bill, looking for Charlie, and then admonishes the men for not riding out to Spearfish Road immediately. She's going to go, and Elle's like, eh, don't worry about it. She's not taking any action with her. But don't forget to kill Tim. I like that moment. I liked to see like that little character moment for her. Just nice to see that she's like, you know, she's always wanting to be a part of the action. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's, she's got courage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. David Milch says in the commentary, rather than calling them Indians, Swearingen uses terms like heathens and dirt worshippers, because if you strip others of their humanity, it's easier to commit genocide against them. Yeah. The term is pseudo-speciations. You find language which bleaches the other of his humanity, makes it easier to croak them. Yep. Now, at the massacre, wolves are eating the bodies. Yep. Bullock finds the girl. Those were some nice wolf stock sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I heard a lot of stock sound effects that I'm very familiar with in this, sh- in this episode. We should have a person eaten by animal count. Because <laughs> this is the second time in the episode. Uh, did, did anyone have anything more to add about that scene back at the gym where Al's talking to, the, to his crowd? Just that that whole thing of bounty on Indian heads and stuff is really accurate. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that was done all the time. Oh, yeah. I like that little moment where Johnny comes up to Al, and Al kind of, like, taps him, like, fake punches him on the chin. Sorry about that, dude, when I punched you earlier. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it, Al. You have a lot in your mind. <laughs> and there's no hard feelings. Yeah. I was like, you know, I had to hit you, right? And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Johnny's smiling, and Dan's smiling, and he's like, don't forget to kill Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that part. It was a fun scene. Yeah. yeah. Fun crowd scene. This One reason why this show was canceled, because it was so expensive, was not because it's like Game of Thrones where it's epic in space. It's, they have so many extras. Mm-hmm. There, There's so many people crowding in the streets and in the saloons that it's just, oh, you got to pay those people. <laughs> yes, you do. I was an extra once. I got $75 for a day's work. You were? For real? Yeah. In a movie, a what? movie they shot in St. John, like a TV movie about some ho- some kids' hockey team. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do extra work a lot. Yeah. I can't can't remember the plot of the movie. But we got to rock a, a bus <laughs> and uh, burn an American flag. <laughs> yeah. Boo. <laughs> Get off the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, daybreak, the men ride back into the camp. Seth hands the girl over to Jane. Why she- cute little moment. They hand her because she's the woman. I think, I, you know, I thought that initially, but I think it's more that she just showed up, whereas Seth and Wild Bill have business to take care of with this Ned guy. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you take her because we have to... Oh. I don't think so. I think it's... No, think you think it's because she's, she's a woman? woman? They make a lot about how drunk she is all the time. I'm not sure I would trust her help? with a girl. She wanted to take care of the girl, though. she You could tell she wanted her. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, and maybe you can tell that, too. If it was just Wild Bill, I would have said he that he knows her well enough to um, to know that, you know, she's got a soft spot for either kids or little girls, I don't know which, that there's a certain maternal instinct there. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that's possible. In that it's not just Wild Bill, it's, it's Bullock who actually hands it, and no words are spoken. Right. It is kind of like her look, kind of like, oh, look at that little girl. I know that little girl. I saw her earlier. And I mean, there was there was definitely 
in the society, the idea that women take care of the kids. And just because Calamity Jane doesn't look like any other woman they necessarily have seen lately. Maybe, but if I was Wild Bill, I would think Charlie would be more of a caretaker than 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 Jane. I'm I'm a little bit confused as to who Charlie is. Charlie's the oh, guy. I know I know who... which one he is. I just don't know oh. like what his purpose is. He's just kind of Bill's right hand man. Yeah. They they rode in on a wagon train together, and actually in real life, Charlie had a brother, but the brother's not in the show. They called him Colorado Charlie. He in real life he was like very flamboyant. <laughs> he wore like all fa- fancy outfits and stuff. Obviously, they didn't go that route. Did he put rhinestones on his cowboy outfit? Probably. He probably also said tassels, too. (laughs) (laughs) I have a note that I... Fringe. Yes, fringes. I I have some notes that I have to go back to. Because I forgot to mention it. When the everybody came out on their horses and they had torches, I got very excited. Because it was like an old-fashioned mob kind (laughs) of werewolf hunt (laughs) kind of thing. I was like, oh, I wish they had pitchforks. Kind of parallels the mob from the beginning. Yes. And, so uh, this is righteous mob. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I felt bad for the wolves because they were just trying to eat. Anyways, that's all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they didn't shoot the wolves. Not that we saw. Mm-mm. Yeah. So that was a step in the right direction as far as that goes. The Metz family that's also inspired by real life. I think, though, that the survivor was the father, not the little girl. And they had a, a black woman with them, like a nanny. She tried to escape. And they shot her when she was running away. They found the money money that she had saved still in her hands. But yeah, that was a real story as well. I feel like that would almost be worse for the father to survive and mm-hmm. feeling powerless about his whole family dying. The Metzes were... Yeah, that was the name of the real family too. I, th- I can't remember if they were bakers or whatever. But they had immigrated and had been in the United States for a long time. They came to Deadwood, they decided it wasn't their cup of tea, and they left. That's when they were killed, and they were killed by uh, road agents. So, yes, this is inspired by uh, real events, but we can see how they kind of diverged because they let the girl be the survivor instead. Mm -hmm. Back at the hotel, Alma is faking being asleep as Brahm is kind of like putting his suit on, looking all nice, and he's like, check me out. It's sad. He just wants her approval. Yeah, yeah. So we don't think that this is a happy marriage, right? Mm-hmm. If it is, it's one-sided. <laughs> yeah. Downstairs at the gem, Trixie is drinking with Ellsworth. She's glaring at Al as he goes upstairs. Ellsworth notices the bruise on her face and I think the gun in her blouse. Yeah. He certainly references something to do anything to get off your chest. He offers to pay to hear her sob story, but she doesn't take him up on the offer. She's really not doing a good job hiding that gun. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, we see at the end, she puts it on on the dresser. Mm. And I always thought, like, oh, she just wanted another gun to protect herself and that she was going to kind of show Al, like, you can tell me not to have a gun, but this is my profession. This is how dangerous things are. I have to have a gun. So she shows it to him. But then I listened to the commentary and read the, the background book, and I'm pretty sure that the original intention here is that she was going to kill Al, then decided not to. Hmm. Mm puts a different spin on things. Oh, I thought she was just turning the gun in because she just figured that he would find it eventually anyways. Yeah, that's my interpretation, but I don't think that was the original idea. Yeah, that was my thought too, that it was almost like a peace offering that 
that she was was giving him the the gun almost like a okay i i give up yeah i thought she had the intention of killing him when she walked in there okay so she was going to kill him and then and then uh, yeah i thought she had just changed her mind i was him. hoping that one of them was going to die because then my death prediction i'm pretty sure i i uh you're off by a body yeah i was <laughs> off by one body i think yeah so the original intention was that she was going to try to kill him but and then maybe he, that maybe that's why then he kills her and she wouldn't survive the episode but i like the idea that she just wanted him to know that she was going to get a gun. Like, he could tell her, don't shoot my customers, be under my foot, literally. But she has to say, look, this is where we stand. I don't want to keep secrets from you. I want you to know, because you're going to probably find out. I want to keep every, you know, keep things honest between us, but I have to have a gun. Mm-hmm. And that's that's that was my interpretation. I but. feel like maybe she has to have the last word. <laughs> that's dangerous. Right well, now. for, like, no, but I feel like that's why, like, she was like, you know, do what you got to do. And he was like mad at her. Maybe she always is, you know, Adam. Like I don't know what their relationship is like, really, because it's only been one episode. But I get the feeling that she likes to push his buttons a little. Maybe <laughs> seems dangerous. Yeah, I think we go back to the hotel. That's where Tim is sleeping, and Dan Doherty comes in and stabs him through the heart. Goodbye, Tim. Yeah, seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like a real, real good guy. Alma's watching the men ride in from her window. Doc looks hungover. Jane gives him the girl, with some reservations. Ned is ordered to get off the horse. Seth tells him that there's too much ransacking, too many goods left behind for it to be Indians. You are after the money because the money was missing and Indians have no use for the money, so it was white people who took it. Then you decided to come back to camp. Maybe you were high on the violence. Maybe you're looking for booze or sex or go to the faro table. While Bill says, yeah, I felt sometimes that way after a kill, Ned, he, he, he plays, you know, dumb. He's like, no, that's not my intention. You know, I, I just found him. You know, I'm a good guy. And so Seth's like, get off your horse. And Ned refuses. And that's when Seth and Wild Bill draw in the thoroughfare. We're not sure who won. I mean, we know Ned lost, but we don't really know who's a bullet. Really? Because I didn't even see Seth fire his gun. It looks like... Bill no, that- fired and Seth didn't even fire because he didn't do it fast enough. Maybe I saw it wrong. I saw Seth fire, but it sure did look like Wild Bill w- had his guns out long before Seth mm-hmm. did. But it's nice that Seth deferred to his uh, elder in this situation. He's like, yes, yeah, probably you. Seth is a smart guy. Yeah. And I, I don't think- but we know that Ned lost. Yeah, I don't, Ned. <laughs> I don't think Seth cares if he's the quickest draw or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, that's. Pr- I don't think either of them probably care at this point. Oh, really? Because I thought, maybe I read that wrong, too, at the poker table. I thought uh, uh-huh. Bill was like, change how you word, you outdrew me. You outdrew me in I cards. Th- <laughs> I think I think he was picking up that this guy, Jack, was threatening him. Oh, okay. He was kind of, that that was a veiled threat. He was saying, uh, you outdrew him. He just wanted clarification, but maybe. I, I he probably doesn't feel threatened by Sheriff Bullock, though. No, they're buddies. Yeah, yeah I think you're... All right. I mean, I think Wild Bill does care about who drew fastest, but I don't think he's threatened by Seth. If I think if Seth had, had been the one that drew faster with Seth's personality, Bill wouldn't have cared that much because Seth is not a threat to him. And there's mutual respect. Exactly. When they came out of the bar, they both knew, I mean, well, of course, Seth knew who Wild Bill was, but Wild Bill already knew that Seth had been a 
a lawman and stuff. He, he'd recognized that in him a long time before. We get a funny beat here where A.W. Merrick pulls like out his pad and he's going to like write this down. His newspaper man personality, like a guy was just shot, but oh, what a story. Yeah. So he starts writing it down and Charlie sees him and he's like, he smiles because he's like, he finds that so amusing. Just didn't phase him, uh, Merrick. Alma is shocked. She says, it's a good opportunity to drink more laudanum. <laughs> <laughs> and Brahm and Dan go uh, prospecting. Then, because it is daytime, uh, that's when Al sleeps. He sleeps during like the morning hours because his action's at night. So he's going to bed at daybreak. And who should come in but Trixie? If she puts the gun on the nightstand, she wants him to see it. We already talked about why she did that, but... Uh, she climbs into bed with him, and that's the end of the episode. Although that look on his face was interesting. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't sure where that was going to lead. I mean, he looks he looks sad. He looks like he could be ready to kill her or, you know, anything. He was just really hard to read or ign just ignore her entirely. He's probably in a tough position because he doesn't really know who he can trust as well because of the... Because of what he does. She, he wants to trust her, maybe, but he knows he can't. I don't think you could trust anybody. If no. He really can't. But she seems closer to him than any of the other whores. Mm -hmm. Like, he may even care for her, you think? Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he lets her get away with things. I don't know, he kind of turned into a statue. <laughs> so we couldn't yeah. really read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he... it was kind of hard to read that reaction. I, I felt kind of like that was the question for future episodes type thing. I think he was okay. just tired. Hmm. I think mm -hmm. he was just tired because it had been like much a full like 24 hours of him mm -hmm. dealing with his business. And mm -hmm. then she walked in and he was like, oh, not, a, you know, what now? I just want to sleep. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, your predictions from last time. Carol predicted a gunfight over a claim. Didn't happen. Matt predicted two drunks, or more than two drunks, getting to some kind of disagreement, which led to a shootout. Yeah. Uh, didn't happen. Mel predicted that Deadwood was a ghost town, and it would be destroyed in a fiery apocalypse. And that didn't happen. But Damn. we'll put these predictions uh, on file, and perhaps they will pan out eventually. Gotta, at some point. Except for Mel's. That gotta be a fight over a claim at some point in this series. Mm-hmm. There's got to be an apocalypse at some point. <laughs> oh, you work for the Millennium Group now? Mm, yeah, that's like some part of the history of the Millennium Group was like... They, they lived in Deadwood? Yes, <laughs> they passed through at the very least. I don't know about the Millennium Group, but Deadwood had a lot of Freemason activity. Did Ooh. they really? Yes. Uh, intriguing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Freemasons were everywhere. Wasn't your father a Freemason, Matt? I don't know. Yeah, he was. He was, was he? a Freemason. Okay. Yeah. My dad was. Not to be confused with the Knights Templar. The Knights Templar, that, that could be another avenue for a Deadwood Carnival crossover. Yeah. <laughs> so, we predicted body counts. Well, not me, but Carol predicted six people. Matt predicted nine. Mel predicted 37. I won, didn't I? You did not win. Nobody won. What? That's oh. oh, so not the closest that wins. I was it has closest. to be accurate. I was. I think, it was. I think Matt won. It was nine, and I predicted eight. Right? 
You predicted nine. Or sorry, it was eight. And it was eight. It was eight. Yeah, closest Reverse closest that going over would have been Carol. True. I thought we weren't doing prices right. Otherwise, people we're not. Won. <laughs> yeah. We're not. I doing say that. Matt. Matt should have. Matt won. I'm one off. Okay, well. we're gonna give. We'll give. Should we give him a full point or a half a point? Half points. Fine. You should just award it to me because you know it's just gonna make it. People are not gonna fight. <laughs> <laughs> I need this point, Mel. I need this point, too. Because obviously my predictions are shit. (laughs) How many did Mel say? 37. She's predicted 37. Uh, You know, if it had been 36, you could have added 3 and 6 and gotten 9 and 1. Oh, damn it! One off, two. Yeah, but he comes out to 10, and he he did say 9, so he's closest no matter how you look at it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> Here's a quick body count recap. Number one, Kalel Watson, hanged by Seth Bullock. Number two, the abuse of John was shot in the head by Trixie. Three, four, five, and six were the square head parents and their two children. Third children lived. Number seven was Tim Driscoll, stabbed by Dan Doherty. Number eight was Ned Mason, shot by Wild Bill or Seth Bullock or possibly both at one time. I was so close. So we'll give a po- we'll give a point to Matt. Yay! <laughs> I have I have a feeling. I mean, we're not gonna. How often will we exactly get it right? I'm never gonna get it right. Yeah, just telling you. <laughs> oh, there's got to be a massacre sometime or another. If you keep on with your predictions, I'm sure you'll be right at some. Thirty-seven. I bet you. I bet you. I will predict that nothing happens one time, and then the, the biggest massacre. You'll get of your all. massacre apocalypse episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> my 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 massacre apocalypse ghost town episode. <laughs> okay, so now we're gonna move into feedback. Maybe Carol, you can take this one. Sure. This is from Harold, right? Yeah. All right. Harold says, "Welcome to Deadwood, eighteen seventy-six. Not even a town at this point. It's a camp, growing day by day. Men looking for a new start, to make their fortune, or to avoid the law. Maybe Wild Bill is going for all three. Plus, drink himself to death. Mm-hmm. It's virtually all men, except for the whores. The gimp lady who cleans the gym, the gem, and Alma, the drugged-up wife of that dandy Brom. If you needed any further proof that this guy is out of his league, all you need to know is he's the only fool who thought it would be a good decision to bring his wife to Deadwood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good point. Yep. We, we meet Seth Bullock, played by uh, Timothy Oliphant, who gets top billing. I love his character on Justified. Me too, Harold. Here he is much more bottled up, ready to explode at any moment. Yet he seemed okay with the guy having shot and giving him a flesh wound. Or was he? He also was a strict he also has a strict code, which I think is why he hung that guy. He wasn't going to have it be known that the last thing that happened when he left his post as marshal was to let some guy get lynched, even if he had to do it himself. It is never stated, but since that doomed guy said it had been bad three days and he hadn't had a trial or been convicted yet. We also met uh, Al Swergen, who was a bit of a control freak. He doesn't like it when you improvise a con and get another six grand out of it, or when you let people at the gym start thinking about savages instead of pharaoh, whiskey, and I give this one to eight out of ten commodes for my inconvenience. Looking forward to your podcast, Harold. Thank you, Harold. Thank you, Harold. Damn you, Harold. You kind of stole my rating. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is, sorry, what is Pharaoh? Is that like a... It's a card is game. It, it, oh. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's so, basically I thought it was called like game. a Pharaoh. Oh, it yeah. used to be. Oh, okay. That's why I was yeah. like... That's why I got confused because I, I think Pharaoh is like a wheat type of wheat. Mm-hmm. I was watching a video of a guy explaining the rules today and apparently the 
cards usually had Bengal tigers on the back of them, so people would just put a, like a picture of a tiger on their building. That meant that they had pharaoh tables there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, see, yeah. that's what... And they used to call it Bucking the Tiger, I think is what they said. So Bucking the Tiger. Oh. Was it like a picture of a tiger with a saddle on? That would be adorable, but I don't think so. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be really cool. All right, I'm going to play some feedback from Will. Hey, Will. Yay. Hey, Will. Hello, you guys. This is Will. I just want to start off by thanking you for doing this podcast because I've been wanting to watch this show again for years, and now I finally have an excuse and I can use my pristine Blu-ray set and watch the show again. Yeah, the Blu-ray set looks awesome. Uh, as soon as thing song came on. I got so excited. It was like instant erection. Yeah, I can talk about erections on this show, can I? You don't know how long I've been wanting to come on an intro cast and talk about boners and <laughs> say cocksucker and all that. But yeah, <laughs> HBO's dramas have really good theme songs like Six Feet Under and True Blood in the Wire. Um... I was kidding about the erection part, but anyway, uh, so as we right off the bat, we got a great introduction to the kind of guy that Seth Bullock is. I'm interested to hear what you newbies hear about Seth and Calamity Jane. I love her. Um, Al Swearingen and everything. And you saw Mr. Wu. I'm going to channel a little shameless here and say this episode was like, <laughs> getting laid after a long dry spell it was just good to get back into this area with all the um characters that i like so it's going to be great hearing what you guys think about the show and i'll be checking in from time to time later guys bye i've never heard will be so um sexual excited <laughs> about anything like this show uh, uh Changes people. Yeah. <laughs> well, either. Yeah. Wow. Or brings out the truth. F- physically changed him. <laughs> I, wow. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for uh, sending that in. Just never thought of the show as a neurotic show. But <laughs> so, <laughs> if if he's doing Seamus style uh, feedback, where Seamus on Intro to Briscoe would always uh, compare the episode to food. But Usually a Will, steak. Yeah, Will took it in a, in a different direction. Is Will going to uh, compare each episode to a sex act? Oh, sure. I think so. <laughs> you should. I think so. Will, you need to grab like some sort of like Kama Sutra book and like just like, <laughs> like just, yeah, do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one is from Moira. And I think she wrote a message here. Let me find it. Uh, she says, okay, sorry, this is so long, but damn, the pilot is so good. I shall attempt to be more succinct in the future. No, we don't have rules on how long your voicemail should be, as long as it's interesting. If you take the time to record it, we'll take the time to play it. This is my philosophy here. Okay, so here's Moira. Hey there, Hooplecast. It's Moira calling in with some feedback for you on episode one, Deadwood. Thanks for uh, deciding to do this podcast. I have only watched the series one time through so I've only ever seen every episode once and um, it is lovely to have an excuse to watch the whole thing again with you. Um, 
Man, I forgot how how it starts. I was uh, a bit floored that our introduction to Seth Bullock uh, shows him carrying out sentence on a man. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty gripping opening sequence, if you ask me. And I love the way this uh, pilot episode shows us pretty much all the main players and does, I think, quite a good job at introducing mm-hmm. them and giving you a sense of uh, who everybody is. Um, Al, Al Swearingen is uh, he is a force to be reckoned with. Um, and, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about Al for now. Um, we get a peek at Trixie. She's the... Um, the lovely lady of the evening who gets beaten up and who shoots the guy. Um, Trixie's one of my favorite characters in lots of ways. Um, about the guy she shot, here's Moira's medical minute. Did you know that that scene where he is slumped against the wall and he's still talking, even though a bullet has gone straight through his brain, uh, that scene is completely realistically believable, yeah, sorry, believable from a medical point of view because... That's a frontal lobe injury, and as I think probably a lot of people know, you can you can uh, you know you can shove a knife or whatever a bullet through the frontal lobes, and people can be awake and talking after that. Um, some people do survive that injury; they don't die from it. <laughs> now they're not obviously completely intact; they have brain damage, of course. But it's a pretty stunning um, imagery when when the doc shoves his conveniently located what is that an ice pick or something right through the hole i mean it is kind of gross but that's pretty believable that's probably what he would have done to to, um to sort of puzzle out how things work and i thought it was sort of amusing that he says well you know the people who think that the the language centers in the front of the brain must be wrong that was kind of funny to me in my little doctor way brad dorf as the doc is great he's just great in deadwood i yeah, I love him. Um, we see see Wild Bill Hickok and Calamity Jane. Uh, we get introduced to Mr. Wu's pigs and the role that they play in this series. <laughs> well, that's one way to dispose of a dead body. And we get a peek at Alma, the woman who is decanting out her very careful little aliquots of medication. That's probably laudanum. Um, that's what they used back in those days. And laudanum is essentially a mix of opium diluted into alcohol. Um, yeah, lots of people got addicted to that stuff. It certainly calms one's nerves. So she's an interesting character to keep an eye on um, to all you newbies. I think one of my favorite bits in this opening se- uh, sequence, or I mean pilot, is uh, the way that Seth Bullock and Wild Bill Hickok um, join up. They pair up and lead the posse out to save that little girl. And um, I love that. And I love the sequence where they both draw on on the guy and shoot him. And uh, Bullock credits Wild Bill with the kill right through the eyeball. That's just that whole, the whole, their rapport, I guess, their, their, uh, sort of mutual respect for each other with their backgrounds as lawmen is really, it's kind of neat, and I liked it. Oh, and hey, I love it as a Canadian. I love the fact that uh, they decide that uh, Sheriff Bullock comes from Etobicoke, Ontario. (laughs) That's kind of funny. In real life, the actor is not at all Canadian, but gosh, you know, he sounds like he could be. The way he speaks, he kind of sounds Canadian, so 
I don't know why they chose to make him from Etobicoke, but it sort of tickles my fancy. So, to summarize, I think if I were watching this for the first time, this pilot would be good enough that I would want to know what's going to happen next. They start so many little plot points, so many different story threads are happening, and you want to know where it's going to go next. So this is a really, to me, a really solid pilot episode for a new series. Um, Yeah, I loved it. I would give this one 9 out of 10 transections of the frontal cortex. All right, till next time. Take care. Thank you, Moira. Thank you, Moira. They didn't decide to make him Canadian. That's he was Canadian in real life. South Bullock. Though there's debate if he was from, from Etobicoke or Windsor. That's why he's so nice and polite, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've got feedback here from Robin. No, we're going to save yours, Robin, because you ah. sent in last minute. We're going to get Emily's feedback. Emily from the excellent Yes Mother podcast. Matt, why don't you take this one? Yes, Matthew. Hello, Hooplecast. I'm Emily, and I'm a newbie watching along with you for the first time. Ooh, that's exciting. Since Deadwood is a show I've meant to check out for a while now, what better excuse to do it than an intro cast? I know next to nothing going in, except like Carol, I know some things about a certain character because of a certain podcast. Other than that, I knew it was a Western. I watched the pilot last night, and I'll start with a few stray thoughts. I see Jim Beaver, Bobby, Teardrop 2, John Hawks. These are good signs. <clears throat> I like seeing Calamity Jane, although it's weird because the only image of her I've ever had in my head is Doris Day <laughs> singing her, her her way around the Wild West. <laughs> this is probably a tad more historically, historically, eh, historically accurate. <laughs> um, not sure how I feel about the mustache-twirling bartender pimp. Could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that not-as-handsome-as-Jude-Law guy's wife? Something. <laughs> okay, so westerns are a weirdly underwatched movie genre of mine. I can't explain it because when I do see a stray one here and there, I almost always really like it. I like this, and it held my attention for the hour and made me feel feelings. <laughs> I was blown away, but respected it. Or, I wasn't blown away, but respected it. I have a feeling the main guy... Oliphant or something is going to prove to be a stand-up gent time and again. I hope to see layers there by the time or by the end. I think I really like. I think I really like Calamity Jane, even if she isn't played by Doris Day. And I hope she is around a lot. She won my favorite character award. <clears throat> All right, I'll give this episode four to five. Mister Wu's pigs. Uh, on episode merit alone, it would be more of a three and a half, but it gets an extra little bit for being a pilot. Until next time, Emily in the Utah Territory. Oh, Emily. So basically an 8 out of 10, since we're going out of 10. Mm. Uh, Teardrop was a character that John Hawks played in the movie Winter's Bone. Mm. That was Jennifer Lawrence's big movie before she became like really known. You have a choice now of two songs. You can either play the Johnny Cash one, or you can play Doris Day singing her way through the Wild West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what Emily's talking about because I remember when I was a kid seeing that movie and my mom informing me that Calamity Jane did not look like that. (laughs) 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 And talking about, you know, what Calamity Jane was really like and stuff. And I was like, okay. Okay, last bit of audio feedback. This one's from Stephanie from Potential Cast and our guest next week. Here is Stephanie. Hello, Cast. This is Stephanie. 
the series feedback for the first episode, the pilot, I forgot how fantastic this show was. Oh my god, it's so brutal. And in the language, you're, yeah, you're not going to get, it's not going to be like a teenager cousin. It is flowery language and they use it in, uh, in beautiful ways. Ugly language used in beautiful ways. But, uh, I mean, it just shows the lawlessness of the town. Um, and that's what's so great about the show. The ethical, uh, you know, the mor morality, the push and pull between, you know, uh, Seth Bullock, the, his, you see his morality in this episode, and then you see Swearingen, and then I think that shot at the end, it just speaks so loudly that Swearingen, no matter what, he can control people, he's going to get his way, and people just bend to him like he just has a power over people, and I think that's what you'll see in this show. Uh... These actors, oh my god, I could give you so many shows after, after this that these, all of these actors have went on to be in that they've just elevated the show that they were in. Uh, the Preacher, if you watch Rectify, um, it's his series about a young man getting out of prison, been, uh, been in prison for half his life. It's fantastic. Uh, but anything these days that, it, that resembles a western, the, all of these actors have been okay. in. And so, it's fantastic. I've chosen a great show to uh, do an intro cast about. And Matt, you're doing an excellent job. You've literally done your homework. And I uh, hope you have a good show. Bye. Thank you, Steph. Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you to say that. Thank you, Stephanie. Stephanie used the word I've been looking for. Thank you, Stephanie. They're cussing. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, it's not profanity, so they're not swearing, but, you know, they're using bad words, you know, that's not... They're casually not, swearing. Well, it's not taking the Lord's name in vain and that kind of stuff. It's it's cussing. And thank you, Stephanie. I've been looking for that word. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to her next, next time. Not next week, next time. Next time. I have feedback here from Nutty, Nutty Nuchas. She says, uh, opening credits. Hot boy from Go is in this. Win. That's, that's <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. Uh, happy about Jim Beaver, but I knew he was in it. Love him. Mm -hmm. I don't know most of these names, not looking them up. Keith Carradine, awesome. Yep. Moving into the main episode. Bullock, Sheriff Bullock. Now I know where you got your name from, Matt. Yes, because I send in comments when they record Beyond the Wall. Uh, live, I like to type things in and it usually comes under Sheriff Bullock and they'll say, Sheriff Bullock says this. <laughs> so, yes, that's, that's, you got it, uh, Nutty. The Hanging, damn. Well, I think that's a charitable Christian thing Bullock did. He saved the guy from killing himself. It was believed then by many Christians that suicide prevented one from entering heaven. Good point. Interesting interpretation. I always just assumed that he did the job himself because he didn't want to give him over to the mob. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, uh, there is a, a thing, uh, a hang-up about suicides. Yep. Yep. Wild Bill Hickok, I had such a crush on him in Young Riders, and Keith Carradine playing him is perfect casting for an older Bill. Everyone has way too nice teeth. Mm. I think that must be Bobby Singer's great-grandfather. <laughs> That's the Janice Jim Beaver. Right? <laughs> it's a supernatural reference? Okay. I want the boots with all of those buckles. One of the Daryls, New Heart Show, Lassiter from Psych, mm -hmm. 
Is that um, the guy who plays yeah. Brom? Okay. The claim deal scam was awesome. See, Mel, you should have paid attention. <laughs> I knew that family was going to die. Not sure I believed it was the the landowners, the Indians, First Nation peoples. Yes, I was right. <laughs> the shootout was pretty cool. So many quotable lines. I'd say this was a solid start to the show. I really like Jane. I think she will be a favorite character of mine. I think most people are, are rather meh or bad guys, but I also really like Jim Butcher's character. So yeah, I'm in. You've got another newbie listener. Nice. Awesome. Nuchas, host producer of Nutty Bites at Nimlas.org. Jim Butcher. Who's Jim Butcher? Jim Butcher's a writer. I think she may have meant Jim Beaver. She goes on and on about how much she loves Jim Beaver, but not enough to get his name correct? I don't know. I mean, Jim Butcher... Isn't he the writer who wrote the uh, the books about the the sorcerer in Chicago? Um, the Dresden Files Dresden guy. Files. Yeah, she must have confused the two. Or uh, maybe there's she an actor have... named Jim Butch. Um, actor named so. everything. I'm sure she met Jim Beaver. So, maybe she just finished reading the Dresden Files yeah. and got it got it mixed up in her head. We'll let that slide, Nutty. <laughs> We're glad you're, uh, she's another newbie, she's on board, at least for the first three episodes, because she's the guest in episode three. But, she can send us a right feedback for next episode, telling us how we were wrong, and there's the actor named Jim. Oh yeah, she met Jim Butcher. <laughs> she's like, I met, she's like, I didn't make a mistake, guys, it's, it was Jim Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the she's watching names. the show. Though. He's right there on the screen. We've been looking up uh, real photos of these characters, and uh, Seth Bullock has got some wicked eyebrows and such. He looks like Groucho Marx. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> He's actually, I feel like he'd have the type of mustache that you get food stuck in. <laughs> oh, it's a soup catcher. <laughs> it's a soup catcher. <laughs> I hope it's not spoilery to look up pictures of what they actually look like. I just find it's interesting. As long as we mm-hmm. don't look up information about them, I don't see yeah. why. No, I just wanted to see pictures, because I just I was curious about when she mentioned Doris Day as Calamity Jane, and I was like, well, I want to see the difference now. That is some mustache. My yeah, goodness. it's crazy! <laughs> oh, I love my it. goodness gracious. I love and it. The eyebrows. the eyebrows are amazing, too. This is from Robin. Mel, if you want to take this I one. I shall. <laughs> I did not. I didn't uh, go through it for any puns. I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't go through it. It's Maybe not so. pun free. Damn. I don't know. It might. It, it might be, but I didn't. I didn't. I can always bleep the puns out. <laughs> That's mean. He works hard on his puns. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm gonna sorry, work go hard ahead. on bleeping them out. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, folks. Well, I have to admit, I've not made it through the entire pilot yet. Uh-huh. How dare you, Robin? That's why his feedback was late. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, I nodded off because I'm old. Well, I nodded off. Does that mean I'm old, Robin? How dare you, Robin? How dare you, Robin? Matt's going to beat you up when he meets you. Um, <laughs> Last night, I nodded off because I'm old. And today, my kids took a very short nap. But now, I've now seen the first half hour twice. So I'll at least send in feedback, mainly because I want to show support to Hooplecast. <laughs> well, thank you. Many years ago, I worked at a store that would actually rent DVDs to you without the use of postal service. It was like Netflix, but a whole lot more evil in corporate. <laughs> its demise is mostly due to a blood pact I made with a chaos demon. You're welcome. <laughs> Aren't they the things that are full of snot and antlers? Uh, chaos <laughs> demons? I don't know. So I rented both seasons, one and two, from this bloated succubus. And I've got to tell you, I honestly don't remember a thing. I never saw season three either. 
the episode I signed up for, I only picked because I have a very, f- I have very fleeting memories of it, mostly due to um a character. It's probably going to be boob related, so <laughs> that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> so I'm practically a newbie too, and watching the pilot was almost like watching for the first time. There are a lot of characters to keep track of, but I'm so happy they are played by familiar faces. I love this cast so much, I can't pick a favorite. Although that reverend is a creeper, I don't like him very much. Wow, Robin, me and you agree on something. (laughs) Simpatico. (laughs) Anyway, best of luck to you guys. Matt is running this show amazingly. I was super impressed with his dedication and research. You newbies are very lucky, because I think we're all going to learn a lot. (laughs) Adios, cocksuckers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look see he gives oh, thank you Robin. he gives and then he takes back he's like matt you're doing such yes. a good good job but you you're know cocksucker. see you later cocksucker <laughs> <laughs> very schizophrenic you don't never you never know where you stand with him he's a lot like elsewhere yeah, in he's unpredictable. and apparently he destroyed hollywood video by making a pact with the chaos <laughs> <laughs> i think that's where he worked i think i remember something about a cummerbund <laughs> uh so i think i get all the feedback Thank you to Emily, Harold, Moira, Nutty, Robin, Stephanie, and Will. That was way more than I expected. I'm s- I was afraid nobody would send in feedback, so I'm thrilled that you guys took the time to do but that. But Matt, if nobody had sent in feedback, you could have got us to send in like feedback from fake people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd never do that. I'm an it would person. be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's get to our episode ratings. Uh, Mel, why don't you start? Oh, um... By the way, I still don't know what a hoople is. Oh, yeah. We don't know what a hoople is yet. Or maybe you do, but you just don't realize Probably. it. Probably. Uh, I think a hoople is a scam. Maybe. I'm just going to put it up there. <laughs> um, I am going to give it a... Um, I guess I'll give it an 8 out of 10 fancy fuckins. <laughs> <laughs> and where'd that rating come from? That rating came from the quote that... Uh, well, should I say the quote? I don't know. Should I say the quote? Just describe the quote. The quote that, that she must have... Well, I basically have to say it. All right. She must have done a lot of fancy fucking to get, keep Al from killing her. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I I found this... Con- like, the pilot, I found it confusing. I know it's going to be less confusing as it goes. It's just because I'm not clear on all the characters yet. But I'll get it. I'll get it, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it all straight. <laughs> But yeah, no, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the setting and the characters. I know they're going to be interesting, so I'm I'm holding out. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matt. Uh, I also thought it was solid. I also, like somebody in the feedback said, wasn't blown away, but I wasn't disappointed. And it was just a good episode of TV. I am intrigued by certain characters. Others are just there right now, and I'm sure they'll get more interesting as we go, like... Charlie and um, uh, what's his name? The Dan and other certain. Well, I mean, you know, they're secondary characters, so maybe I shouldn't expect too much. But <clears throat> I'm gonna give it uh, eight out of ten complimentary kermodes, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Cool, Carol. I I enjoyed it. I read with what you said about the fact that basically the whole beginning part was setting up character and. And the world and all of that, but they did it really well, so I I was fine with with all of that. My rating system is written down from before we had our little chat a few minutes ago, when I, from the time I watched it. Um, eight out of ten stylish mustaches. 
Um, yeah, as, as far as a pilot goes, it's pretty solid. It's not, obviously it's not my favorite episode. It's still, it feels weird to go back and watch it because it's kind of awkward in its pace and the characters are not all there yet and the performances are not all there yet. It's not something that you guys would pick up on, but as a veteran, I've, I think, yeah, this is a little rough around the edges, but it's not, it's not bad. And, uh, I think I'll give it, I'm going to go low though, because I know that I'm grading on a curve here. So seven and a half out of ten square heads hacked and spread around. <laughs> mm. So sad. It sounds like a like an appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> For wolves. Yeah! Exactly. <laughs> we went to the same place. For wolves, the appetizer was ruined. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to eat that. <laughs> no, they seem to have just left them there so the wolves could come back and finish up. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't ride back into town with a bag full of bodies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> nice. So, Mel, why don't you nominate your character of the episode? Oh, I didn't think about this. I, I see. I like forgot what I was supposed to do. <laughs> All right, we'll go. We'll go to Matt. Do you have a character? I liked Reverend Smith. Was he a Reverend Smith? Mm-hmm. He's very fascinating. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, I just want to learn more about him. He must have some sort of secret. Maybe he's a magician. I don't know. That just came to me. You just spoiled it, didn't you? I don't know. <laughs> Carol. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be, you know, boring. I'm gonna go with a uh, book. I found him uh, interesting. I, I want to know how he's going to react to this world because seems like you know he's a. Uh, um, there's a lot, you know, still waters run deep type stuff, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting watching his journey. So I'll go with him this time. Yeah, I'm going to also go with uh, Sheriff Bullock. Well, he's not a sheriff yet. He was he was a marshal in Montana, but here he just runs a hardware store. But he's kind of our entry into the camp, and I just liked how he stood up to that mob, and he killed the guy because he thought that was the lesser of two evils, and. Seems, uh, I also, I find his little awkwardness endearing mm-hmm. when he couldn't sell. I thought that was, that was cute. Um, and he picked up right away that the, uh, family was murdered by white people and got into action. So, yeah, he wins. Good job, Seth. Yeah. I think I, I All think right, I Mel. agree with you guys. I think he's the most interesting, but I don't know if it's because he's the main character. Um, I don't want to say, it's because of that, but, uh, <clears throat> cause it, you know, like the most attention is kind of mm-hmm. paid up- upon his, you know, his dealings, I guess. But, um, no, I, uh, yeah, he's interesting to me. It's just the way he looks at things and the way he analyzes them. Like, I just like that. I like that he's kind of a detective. Mm. Okay. Nobody picked Calamity Jane, which is kind of weird because a lot of our feedback was pro Jane. Yeah. Um, I said pro Jane, not pro Jam. I could see how you might think I said. That. I like her, but she's like, I don't she's, know. She's a bit brash. She's a bit brash for my taste. I guess. Once I she, see, once I see another side. Well, we kind of got a little another side of her with the kid, but I still need to see more of her. I think, personally. All right. Uh, who has a quote? I do. I'm gonna go. I can't okay. remember this character's name, but before he jumps off a porch, he screams, "Fuck you!" Ha <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Mel. Um, huh. Uh, I like the quote from uh, Saul's uh, star at the very beginning. Move, move the fuck back while my partner, uh, while my partner takes his sweet ass time writing whatever the fuck he's writing over there. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, static. <clears throat> I don't remember who said that. <laughs> who had a walkie-talkie in this episode? <laughs> oh, you're back. I'm back. All right, you got a quote for me? Sure, one from uh, Saul. Hickok says, what kind of hand is your friend with a gun? Saul just says, I don't feel qualified to say. <laughs> Why is that? Has he not seen him shoot anyone before? I think he's just very careful. That was mm-hmm. the feeling I got, because then after that is the, the other, I don't want to steal anybody's quote, that... Uh, that we already talked about after the gunfight. So between Seth and Saul, I think one of the reasons they're friends is because they're both careful. I'm going to quote Ellsworth and Al. Now with that limey damn accent of yours, are these rumors true that you're descended from British nobility? I'm descended from all them cocks. I I have one that took place right after that. Okay. I'll tell you what, I may have fucked my life up flatter than hammered shit, but I stand here before you today beholden to no human cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> Any other quotes? Does bosom mean tit? The one that followed it was, Is that you or me, Montana? My money'd be on you. <laughs> I kind of like the quote, Damp palms run in my family. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yes, I wrote that one down too. <laughs> oh, and there, there. Uh, Charlie says you got some mighty clammy hands there, partner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I have one. Uh, Seth is leaving the tent to sell goods for the first time, and Saul says, "Coming out with your fly down might strike the wrong." Day. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. That was a joke, right? His fly actually wasn't down. Yeah, it's right. just like keep on your toes, kind of thing, like. Like, look sharp. <laughs> also, I think to get his mind off what he was about to do. Yeah, probably. Kind of snap out of it. Yeah, yeah. He knew he was nervous. Right. Uh, the help hotel clerk saying to Hickok um, that he couldn't arrange, uh, talking about two rooms, I can't, I can't arrange it unless you kill a guest. <laughs> uh, ensued nervous laughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hickok did not seem pleased. Here's a quote from Jack. Let me just say one thing before anybody opens their mouths. I'm going to say no more on this subject, and I'll be through for the fucking evening. (laughs) I'm not impressed. (laughs) Just imagine me with a droopy eye. (laughs) Okay, I'm imagining Sheriff Bullock. Don't imagine me with a droopy eye. What are you doing? It's gross. (laughs) Oh, and I forgot this one for the Reverend. This will be my last one. The Lord is our final comfort, but it's a solace having friends. I know that from past experience. <laughs> he's so creepy! Uh, he's awful. <laughs> no, he's creepy! He's such a millhouse! Oh, he's creepy. Such a freaking keener. Ugh. Does anybody have any last ones? I already said my other one. I would one. like to say mine again. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> is that how you're going to sign off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to jump off and hang myself. <laughs> I'll help you with the ball. Aw, yay! (laughs) 
next episode, episode two, is called Deep Water. If you want to offer any predictions or and your body count prediction. A lot of drownings. <laughs> A watery apocalypse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Waterworld, guys! Kevin Costner's going to show up! <laughs> I'm gonna say and Dennis Hopper too. <laughs> maybe it's uh, maybe it's that aforementioned flood that you mentioned before is gonna. Okay. It's all their work building their streets up is gonna. Already? Be, I don't know. Well, it's, it won't be a horrible flood. It'll just be like a minor flood before the giant disaster. Yeah. I've seen the episode, but I'm gonna predict that they build a water park. <laughs> I like that. Uh, for death count, I'm gonna say they had to open big in the pilot, so I'm gonna say they're gonna reduce it slightly. I'm gonna say five. Okay, Mel? Uh, maybe it's just people getting baptized. I'm going to say zero. <laughs> oh, that's bold. Zero, okay. 37 baptisms. <laughs> 37 <laughs> baptisms, but zero deaths. Followed by a watery apocalypse where nobody <laughs> dies. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Carol? Carol drowned. Oh, oh no, my, my prediction. <laughs> oh, no. It's come true! <laughs> no! Oh, she's actually gone, gone. Oh, no. oh, okay. Let's add her back. <laughs> Carol, oh, yeah, back? back. So you missed <laughs> Mel's prediction of zero deaths, yet she also predicts water world and baptism. Okay, I, got, I heard that. Uh-huh. And Matt said well, they're all going to be washed away in a flood, but it miraculously only five people. They all know how to swim. So, Carol. I think deep water, there may be a literal meaning to it, having to do with the creek or whatever, but I think it's going to be more of the idea of getting in in deeper to something, as in in trouble in some way. I wonder whether Swergen is going to somehow get something on Bullock. Bullock seems too smart for that, but... It's like someone is going to get into deep water, as in, you know, getting into some kind of long-term trouble, probably to swear again. So a uh, metaphorical deep exactly. water. Exactly. So swear gets over on Bullock somehow. Yeah, okay. there may be literal deep water involved, but I have a feeling it's going to be more the other. Do you have a body count prediction? Body count. I'm going to go with 10 this time. Ooh. I'm going up. I don't know okay. why, but I am. Even though it makes sense that the pilot would have a larger body count than the second episode. No, that's exciting. Okay. Does anyone have anything to plug? Matt, what you got? Intro to Briscoe, podcast about Briscoe County Jr., Twin Peaks podcast, uh, podcast about Twin Peaks. What's that about? <laughs> Ooh. Here, here. <laughs> Seconded. Okay, Carol. <laughs> Carol's gone. She wants you to check out McKinley Cast, a Freaks and Geeks podcast. They record one episode every like t- a year or so. <laughs> no, it's a good show. It's a good show. Freaks and Geeks is yeah, an awesome I love it. show. I love it. I watched it when it was originally on, and when it came out on DVD, I was super excited. I bought the yearbook oh, edition. Awesome. Actually, we may actually record another episode next week. Cool. That's cool. I hope you guys. We were do. hoping to do it tonight, but unfortunately. Again, one of our people couldn't, so jury's still out. We're trying to we're trying to get it together. Okay. Alright then. Next episode is Deep Water. We are going to record that on February twenty second. 
So please get your feedback in. Contact information, just go to hooplecast.com. Everything is there. I put the show notes up there, which has links to any of my references. I've got uh, links to the discussion for particular episodes. You can download past episodes in MP3 format, but you can find us on iTunes or through your podcatching device. Twitter account, Hooplecast. The uh, feedback, hooplecast at gmail.com, but go to the Facebook group. That's where the fun is. And that's it for that. So, and thanks for listening. Will we ever find out what a hoople is? Stay tuned. (laughs) Fuck you! (laughs) As I said, you may already know. (sighs) Damn these riddles. (laughs) People who I knew that watched Deadwood didn't know what it was, so. (laughs) Oh, well. Well, Harold knew. Oh. Because he's smart. Oh, is, this, is this a is this a hint? Was it in the feedback? Was it in the mm. Facebook group? I'm going. I don't oh. think so. But a couple people suggested titles for the podcast for me, and that's kind of where it started. Mm. Where I got the idea. So people people do know. Okay. All right. But I'm so clueless, Matt. I'm so clueless. <laughs> <laughs> We'll stop drinking wine and falling asleep. Maybe you, maybe you missed it. Maybe that was the clue right there during that scene. They said what it was and you missed it. They looked directly into the screen, too. <laughs> Melanie, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Somebody say my name. <laughs> Where's the wine? Uh, <laughs> More wine. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. The forsaken got no reason to cry He got to chew the angels Falling from on high He ain't waiting for no answer Begging woeful pie Pie of eyesight, pie blue black Oh, that pie The pie of pie and pie The forsaken world, he ain't like you and I With phones always breaking and no place to go lie He's in the box so dark and wet, he got so much time He ain't even worried yet, the hog of the forsaken He is the pork of crime
God will be forsaken, he'll leave you one more chance. Which if you won't be taken, he'll leave it for the end. He sings out in the wilderness, he sings for fainted foe. He sings of these and those times as well as the times to go. The forsaken, he swims out into the sea. Bind the alligator, guard chase the leaping mullet. He chops water, hyacinth go into the sea. The hog of the forsaken, he is the hog for me. He chops water, hyacinth go into the sea. Hog of the forsaken. Here's the hog for me. Welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host Matt, and what? No, we're starting over. What's up? What's up I'm your. <laughs> we're starting over. Okay. Wow, good start. Off to a great start. So we're on a two-week uh, bi-weekly episode. schedule, or is bi-weekly twice a week? No, bi-weekly is every two weeks. What's, what's or every other week? What's the word if you if you do something twice in one week? Um. Maybe there isn't one. Never mind. No, there is. There is. There's. Let me think about it. <laughs> Suddenly, we'll in the middle, it. in in the middle of a totally different discussion, I'll have I'll have the answer for you. Yes. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'm ready. Let's do this. Good. Good job, Matt. You you ground the podcast to a halt. Yes. And now we can hear ourselves <laughs> in uh, Carol's uh, speakers. I think. Oh, sorry. I put it. I did move. I did move everything. Just uh. are we better now. Yeah. <laughs> you moved everything just to search what the word for twi- twice yeah. a week was. <laughs> well, what is it? <laughs> no, I'm I'm trying to think of it because I used to know this. We used to do a um there's a bi let's see. There's bi monthly and there's would be bi weekly? That's, That's what, what Matt said. said. Yeah. Wait, yeah. <laughs> oh, that one of them means every two like if it's bi weekly every two weeks and one of them is twice a week and, and for some reason I've just totally had this just brain freeze where I can't come up with the words. So well, Let's this is your... Deadwood. Oh, yeah. We just say twice a week. and yeah. No, it's not twice a week. We're not doing this twice that's... a week. No, no. That's oh, that's the word for twice a week. Okay. <laughs> twice a week. Well, this is your... It, this might, is be, your... it might be semi-weekly. There Maybe. we go. Ah, thank you. Maybe. This is your outtake, Matt. Let's try not to have more, <laughs> more tangents. <laughs> this one was my fault. I apologize. You're right. Semi-weekly. That's it. Thank you. You're, why, you're why? very welcome. I, I binged it because I, I don't Google things. I now I bing them so I can oh. get my bing points huh? and redeem them toward Amazon gift cards. Guys, oh. if you're not on the bing reward <laughs> train, get on board. Never heard. You're missing free points. I Go to bing. I've not heard of this. I'm not a big bing fan, but uh, if it's... No, 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 thank you. But, uh, <laughs> huh. Um, All right. I have I a don't... friend who works for Microsoft and he's always like, 
Guys, you should be binging. <laughs> the only the only thing I've heard about uh, Bing that's better than Google is their image search, apparently. But I have not heard of this points thing. I haven't heard of this points thing either. Yeah, it's a reward program, and you I can qualify. Every search gets so many points. I shouldn't judge Bing. I haven't used it in a while. <laughs> I just didn't like the way it was very hard for me to get out of. So. <laughs> Um, it's okay. like you're trapped in a Bing, Bing land. <laughs> Should we get back to what we? <laughs> how about that the hoople thing? Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Uh, how about that Deadwood? Yeah. How about it? Oh well, it took about an hour before you got disconnected. That's pretty good compared to last time. Yeah. Well, it'll be really good for a long time, and then all of a sudden we'll, you know, have some kind of problem. But. That's okay. I got to go to the bathroom. I got a can of squirt. A very underrated beverage. Squirt the heck is squirt? <laughs> I've seen squirt. I can't remember what it is. What is it? You don't have it in uh, Canada? No, we only have milk and bags. Oh, <laughs> we're going to have to. Uh, we'll have to find some in Washington then. It's a citrus soda. That's what I thought. Pop. It's like Sprite or seven. Yeah, it's better than that though. It's like an. It has this like orange and lemon and lime. Ooh, no, that is better. <laughs> When you add orange to the mix, yeah, it makes it better. <laughs> or it's, or it might be grapefruit. Oh, that's good too. I think we might. It's, have it's, uh, it's underrated. Yeah, yeah, I think we might have it around here. I'm not sure. Probably. Yeah, well, I had it in Ohio. I'm sure you had it there. You don't. You do not want to know what I when I binged squirt wiki ah! what came oh, no. up. <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> right. no. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No, thank you. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, it's grapefruit flavor. <laughs> Sorry. That's why I've never tried it. I don't like grapefruit. Oh. <laughs> too bitter. I'm just too mature. <laughs> Good first episode, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it didn't get recorded. We'll have to do it again. Ah. <laughs> I'm but just I can, kidding. I can, no, that would be good because then I could make people think I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh goodness! But even though the the we went pretty long, I don't think we like repeated ourselves. I think we really got into the nitty gritty of the character stuff. Yeah, for yep. the most part. Yep. I thought it was a really awesome discussion. I think people who like the show are going to find our podcast and they're going to be like these guys are actually really smart and they know what they're talking about and they're fun and i don't feel like three hours was it just flew by <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what they'll say all right is that what you, sh- you sh- that's what you should put in the description <laughs> <laughs> the three hours just fly by <laughs> yep uh, i like it no well yeah good job hosting yes yeah. That was your first job hosting, wasn't it? Basically. Yeah, for a uh, for episode length, yeah. Yep. Good work, good work. It's not easy. There's a lot of pressure. Did you- yeah, to keep it to keep it going. Yeah. Keep it- Did you feel the podcast yeah. pressure? I felt a li- Whenever I felt the podcast pressure, I felt like Carol really stepped up with some interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, thank God she's on the podcast because she knows all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, she's, yeah, got, she's a, got a lot facts. of knowledge. Yeah, a lot of knowledge yeah. that I don't she, have, so. But you bring the humor and the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And Matt, you're there too. At least, I'm, <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at, least at least, we're good for something. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs>